You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Steady Miguel. It's your favorite Uncle Silk. It's Dan. And Delatory. Same corner, same time, new coach, new vibes. Who Before is? we get into that, boys, Nick, happy birthday. How was it, my friend? Uh, good birthday. Had the family in town. It was a rare instance. So I was in Columbia, Missouri with my dad and... 72 hours later, he was up here. Um, we had some friends come over. So we had like nine people at the house for Thanksgiving. Um, cake, pie, turkey, ham. Okay. There was good. stuffing. There was stuffing there. But I didn't the have any. Was, was it dry or wet? So I realized stuffing is just mushy bread. Oh it's just God. mushy bread with, with stuff in it. That's Every all it is. Sells, it comes with terrible taste. That's all Just it is. No, it's yeah. breading. Um, no, it's more to it. You got like onions and a whole lot of other shit going yeah, on. Yeah, depending on, depending there, on your yeah. culture. Celery. Yeah, a lot of vibes, oh. Nick. So it's mushy bread with other things in it. I don't get Mine, it. Mine's going to be mushy. It's it's more yeah. of like a bread pudding, a uh, bread crumb yeah. type thing, not mushy. Yeah. I don't know who's mushing your dressing, but so get, you, them, you get them out of the you, kitchen. You, you can't grab it and like it holds its shape. What? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't That's think it's... Why, why, I wouldn't grab mashed potatoes or dressing, for that matter. Imagine sticking your hand in, like, a thing of just stuff and just pulling <laughs> it out and just trying to talk about consistency, you know what I mean? Take my strong hand. <laughs> Nick, I, I am convinced... Would you, say, would, you, would you pick mashed potatoes or stuffing? A 100% mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes, yeah. yeah. Come on. So, but, there's, I mean, but there's room on the plate for both. You guys are acting like I'm saying you shouldn't have turkey on Thanksgiving. I'm saying you should take this trash side off the off the table, and you're like, I think you should take your trash takes off the podcast as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's probably a better direction for us to go. My mom, yeah. and shout out to her, uh, makes my grandmother's recipe. It's a cornbread stuffing. It's out of this world or dressing. I could be into that. I'm a big cornbread guy. I could be into that. I've never never even heard of that. It doesn't sound like you've had much uh yeah, like adventuring. The, the, the dressing that, that my aunt makes or my mom makes is like a cornbread like texture. I don't know where the mushy stuff comes from, but happy birthday, bro. Yeah. Appreciate shout, it. Shout out to that, man. What one Thanksgiving uh, or birthday for you, food wise? What one the one today? Um what one the day? I just like having people over. Um, I don't get to see my parents that often, especially during football season. Um, my dad started coming up to more games now that he's retired. Um, but when he was working, you know, I wouldn't really see my parents, you know, at all in the fall. Um, so just having people over, that's, that's the thing. And then uh, all just sitting around and you're drinking beer at 12 o'clock watching football. And there's football on all day. I enjoyed the egg bowl. Uh, Shout out to the egg bowl. Yeah. I enjoy the Egg Bowl. The NFL games are kind of, kind of booty, but uh, it's just a good time. Thanksgiving is probably my favorite holiday because you, you got football, football on TV the whole day. There's really no expectations. Um, you know, Christmas you've got to buy gifts and yeah. and stuff like this and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Thanksgiving is just like, hey, show up, 
with some stretchy pants, ready to eat and, and enjoy. What I noticed, uh, I noticed the value of Thanksgiving has fell down for me tremendously because I don't eat pig. Mm. And I don't even know why they like have turkey as the mascot of, of Thanksgiving. <laughs> right? Um, because every dish I opened up um, had like pork and pig in it. I was like, man, what's going on? The dressing got uh, pork in it. Yeah. The greens got pork in it. The shrimp yeah. beans got pork in it. Jeez, Louise, um, yeah. a ham is cooked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds like sounds like somebody knew what they were doing, cooking for mm. your Thanksgiving. Mm, that ain't work out for me. I had some salmon. <laughs> 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 kind of think of it salmon's probably a likely thing that they did eat you know um dude i had a great thanksgiving shout out to my mom and my dad they uh they they smoked turkey they bought a new traeger grill mm. i don't know probably six eight months ago uh and i asked them before have you guys smoked anything before and the answer was a resounding no. They had used it as a grill, but had never smoked it before. So you can understand some trepidation going into Thanksgiving, the one meal a year where you eat uh, turkey as your, your main dish. Uh, but boy, did they blow it out of the water. That was probably the best smoked turkey I've ever had in my life. Shout out to, nice. to my mom and my dad and to, to Traeger Grills for making it easy. I don't think they had to do anything. I think they just... Kind of had to set it and forget it, but uh, yeah, one, one more shout out, and they gotta give us a sponsorship, Dan. That's right. <laughs> but uh, no, it was good. I was down in South Florida. I uh, got uh, we went boating a bit on Friday, uh, but it was a it was a good weekend to be down in South Florida. Uh, what do you prefer, uh, smoke or fried turkey? Before before this weekend, mm. I would have or before Thursday, I would have said fried. But you know, if I can get a smoked turkey like that every time I get turkey, I'll take that any day. The turkey chef always mad for the turkey. People that tell me they have dry turkey, I'd be like, nah, you got a dry chef. Mm. Mm. That's why um, it's not the prettiest, but I uh, butterfly the turkey before you cook it. Because the way just the way the turkey is, the breast meat will get dry before the dark meat will. And if you've got if you got it in the oven, the breast meat's gonna be higher up. Um, so I butterfly it and kind of lay it flat and, and let it cook a little bit even, even more even. It's just not a good presentation, but I think you get a better cooked product. I want to give a shout out to a Shannon Snell. I saw this on Wednesday uh, on Twitter. Thankfully I was on, he talked about tenting the bird uh, mm -hmm. before you smoke it. Uh, and I asked my dad because I, I totally had given him, uh, you know, free reign. Uh, didn't offer any advice or anything. I was just like, Hey, you know, good buddy of mine, Shannon Snell, friend of the show. Uh, he encourages you to tent the bird. He's like, well, He's like, I, I've watched a bunch of YouTube videos. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. I was like, I, he's like, he, he's a guy well, that my no, Facebook group says there. not to do that ever. I, I'd encourage uh, tenting it. And he did. And, and boy, Shannon, I don't know what it would have tasted like without tenting, but it certainly tastes incredible. What is that? Tent? That I'm advice. sorry. What did I mean? Like a, like a tinfoil yeah, tent foil. over it. Yeah. Oh, cover okay. it so it doesn't, uh, I guess, evaporate everything. I don't know. Chemistry. Um, well, so you mentioned it. Uh, Gators walk out uh, with a new coach this weekend. But before they do that, they get to claim uh, state champions again uh, over the state of Florida. Uh, worst year we've had in, in quite some time and still uh, walk out as state champions. It's uh, it's good to be a Gator. Shout out to legendary GOAT uh, interim Gregory Knox. Uh, pulled up and did what he had to do. Um, we get into the game breakdown right now, but shout yeah. out to the state champs. Yeah, interim, interim God Greg Knox, giving giving Lamar Jackson an L, keeping 
keeping the fighting Norvells from bowl season. Greg Knox, remove the interim. That's what I said. No one else wanted to hear it. No, 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 no be sure to visit bruninsurance.com for all your insurance needs. Home, auto, renters insurance, business insurance, life insurance, anything you may need insured, and also financial services. 954-589-2204. Big coverage, big policies. Great, what it do? Perfect. Well, so uh, thank you so much. Uh, 24 to 21, the Gators win. Uh, get their third consecutive victory over Florida State in Gainesville amongst a, a very packed stadium. I know that they announced the sellout. I think the, the total announced was what somewhere around 88,000, Nick. Um, but the Gators uh, do end up winning 24 to 21. Gregory Knox does lead the team. The Gators get their first victory in a game where their quarterback threw three or more interceptions in a game since 2016. Uh, when Emory Jones does throw three interceptions uh, in the game, bailed out by Anthony Richardson. The Gators score 10 points in the third quarter, and that's really what they needed to seal the victory. And then finally, we can't forget the old whiff at Griff. Uh, but before we dive into every aspect of that game, so give us your thoughts and kind of overarching uh, view of it. Uh, yeah, the game started off the first drive. I thought was good. We got some points, and I just felt good about like the way we drove down the field. Shout out to Kimor Gamble, who just had a real good season despite everything that went on. Uh, Kimor Gamble had a great season. Uh, shout out to him and his mom and and, and that whole uh, her being able to come to the game. So the first drive was was dope. Went down, Emory looked efficient. Did we had to do, got some points, and then it just got a little messy after that. I think the defense, I don't know what happened, but they just look a lot better. Um, just, just the absence of of uh Todd Grantham and some of the old energy. Um, those guys just flew around better, in my opinion. Uh, so the first half, I thought the defense gave a spirited, good, good go at it, um, put us in good position to put up some points, and we just uh the ghost of, of Dan Muller's quarterback management kept popping his head up. Uh, with, with Emory Jones, I thought he should have been snatched a little bit earlier than the three interceptions. Um, but those three interceptions kept them in the first half. Um, that's my synopsis of the first half. What what, what you guys thought? Should have ran the ball more. <clears throat> yeah, first off, um, I wasn't far off. I said Damian was going to get 15 carries, got 12. Uh, might have been because Nacorn went down. But I think the refs were trying to get that overtime check. Like, this was a near four-hour game. That's got to be one of your longest, right? For that was a, it was the longest game. game of the season. Yeah, not mm-hmm. overtime. Longest game of the season. And it was just like, how many penalties? Was it 33? 33, 23 penalties between the two Whatever teams? Whatever it was, it was far too many. Then injuries, reviews. I was like, there was like no kept flow. kept putting time back on the clock. That's what was killing me. My, they, my they, girl, they, like, like, towards the end of the game, they kept, like, every time they went to go look at someone on the screen, they would put more time on the clock. I'm like, bro, stop putting time on the clock. Well, not My only that, I feel like they are... did a better job of uh, watching the clock than they did of like w- actually watching like replays. Um, yeah. the, the, the interception was a was a little bit of an iffy uh, call, but did definitely the Anthony Richardson first down, where I think everybody on TV, including Robert Griffin the third, who 
I appreciate the opportunity for everybody to get a chance to pursue a career that they want. Uh, but I am very much in the mindset that he's got better opportunities elsewhere uh, for his life and his it's career. It's actually pretty entertaining. If your team is winning, it's okay. But if your team is losing, <laughs> it's annoying. So, like, at first I was just like, get this guy off the TV. But when we start winning, he's just had goofy remarks about everything. I was like, all right, now nah, nah, it matches the game. Nick, I know. I, I need to go back and watch the game. Do you know who the three oh, candidates he said man. the Gators should look at for head coach? No, but did you see the suit he was wearing? He had like a double double breasted. Yeah, that's all double breasted suit. Uh, yeah, yeah, I ran into him in the uh, in the press box. His he three did. coaching candidates, Nick, were Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow right? Uh, were Deion Sanders, <laughs> and then Ike Hilliard were his yeah, three. Yeah, were his three picks for Gators head coach. Does he get like the same that's, agent uh, that's, as them? That, that's a fi- no. That's a fireable offense. Like I don't know how he still had a job out the same such ridiculous things. Could you imagine? Like come back from halftime. It's like, hey, um, so we don't have an analyst anymore. Robert has been let go <laughs> at halftime, and we're just going to go to whoever's down on the field. Take it away. Yeah, a little bit more dead air. He wasn't much better himself. But uh, Nick, just to to add some clarity, there's 22 total penalties uh, in the game. The refs definitely made the game about them. Uh, FSU had 89. The Gators had 107. Uh, so at 196 yards of penalties in the game. Um, I like the Gators' energy, like Silk said, scoring on that first drive. Uh, I thought that they played with a lot of drive and fervor. I want to give a shout-out to Brenton Cox. Uh, ends up with four sacks in the game uh, himself, which it, I don't I don't know, and I didn't uh, look it up before. That's that's got to be up there with with most sacks in a game in in recent history, at well, least. It was. It was. I think it was since like 2012 or something, right? I, I feel like I saw I feel like I saw a stat that was a little bit long in that, but yeah. And I mean, regardless, whatever, it like, whatever it was. If he, if I, I I thought when I saw the stat, my first thought was I thought Jakob Polite would probably have like more sacks than uh, hit that four at some point, but he didn't. That was my first thought. Yeah, he ended yeah, up with all four was, sacks, 31, 31 sack yards. What, what was crazy is that apparently stat uh, sacks weren't even like a recognized statistic by the NCAA until two thousand. Um, because I'm working, I'm trying to figure out with Florida, like, hey, when was the last time someone had four in a game? And they're going back and they're like, well, that's what Florida told me that that it wasn't a recognized stack. So I'm like, well, um, shoot, who was it that has the record in '99? He had 13. Was it Javon Kurtz? Uh, Alex Brown. Brown. So Alex Brown had five in a game, had a five in a game in '99. And UF, the SID said, well, they it wasn't a recognized statistic for record books by the NCAA until 2000. Mm. So Florida recognizes Alex Brown as their their leader. So he had five. So yeah, they, don't, they don't they don't retro go back and like just count. It ain't that difficult. I, I don't know. I mean, that's a lot of years. They got time. Yeah, there'd be a lot of going back. Can you imagine <laughs> watching games film from the fifties? No, I won't go back that far. <laughs> Just trying to go back to like the Spurrier era. That's it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, a hell of a game. Um, and, and it's it's funny because remember the the cryptic tweet before the year it was like best pass rusher in 2020, and then whoever that Georgia fan site was was like he's out for the year, and I was like, no. Um, that guy was his actually motor, in my- his his motor is still so terrible. 
Like, he's, yeah, he's it's, it's not that it's terrible. It just seems like he picks and chooses when to turn the car on and when to turn it off. I that think that's why self means it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's I, good. It's good when it's on. That's what I mean. I don't think terrible. he like has run out of gold. energy. I think he just there's times that it's like very blatant that he just like gives up on a pursuit or gives up on a play that. I, I think that those are things that probably get noticed more by scouts than just the the sacks or just the tackles. It's, you know, when you're on pursuit and you're maybe not going to 100% get the tackle, maybe it's only a 50-50. I feel like he often takes the 50-50. about 70-30 sometimes. He, yeah. he, he just let off the gas. I'm like, yo, dog, like he was like two steps away. Other than that, great game by him. He definitely was the best defensive end on the field. Uh, Jermaine Johnson was put in shackles by DeLance. Uh, a straight jacket, I would say. Uh, shout out to Gene DeLance for handling uh, what some think is a first-round defensive end. Then, then he got one sack, couple tackles for loss, but didn't really affect the game like I thought he would. They did a good job of, like, kind of scheming around him a little bit. Shout out to McGee. Yeah, I thought they did a good job. No, I think Anthony No, 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 he called the horrible job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we won, yeah. but it was some egregious play calling going on, man. Um, oh, we sat on the ball out. the whole third. Shout like, out we to got, me. We got the or the fourth. We got up seventeen points and kind of just shut it down. Um, I I didn't like that. Damian Pierce should have got more carries. He was hot running the ball with no helmet on. They benched him. It's like, bro, get a guy. He got a high hands. Keep rolling with his fourth quarter. This is when you want Damian Pierce to lean on people. How about Damian Pierce, too? That whole drive, the the touchdown yeah. drive, that whole drive, he carried the entire the ball. He carried the, the team down the mm-hmm. field. Um, and I don't know why I knew that that was a rule. Like, I, I, I don't remember what play that I've covered or game that I've watched I've seen that. But his helmet popped off, and he started running. And I'm like, damn, that's that's awesome. Yeah. But that's also it was a rule back, because when I heard it, it, when they made it, I said, it's stupid. Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, fall to the ground and be like, so sorry, no, on, please bro. don't hurt me. If anything, yeah. the, play, the play should just be dead there. But why give me 15 yards don't, for, like, being an athlete it, and having natural on, instincts? Yes, don't put it on the athlete to stop playing. Put right. it on the refs to blow the whistle. All these guys right. on the here whistle, they're going to stop. Yep. Right. Don't put no, it on the athlete to be like, oh, no, he ripped my helmet off. And why wasn't that penalized? Right. Well, there was he was penalized for like something on that that play. I think it was the same because it was a 15 yard penalty, and then it was a half a distance to the goal first down. I like that guy, um, number ten. I like him, Robinson. Yeah, he's a good guy. He, he commits a lot of penalties. He does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I do. I, my play of the game was still Malik Davis on that third down. He picked up a, a clutch third down, broke some tackles. Uh, to me, that was the the uh, the turning point in the game. Where we kind of got some space and, and was able to do some stuff. So. Um, both running backs showed up to play a little bit, but I wanted Damian Pierce to get more carries. Speaking of running backs, Nick, do we have an update on Naquan Wright yet? Or um, I, he had a nice cutback run. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Um, I didn't get anything. It's been full uh, Napier season since uh, since the game, uh, and we'll get into that later. Um, I don't know his status. Yeah, and, and yeah, that, that, I, I had the same question. That injury, I was, I, I didn't have time to tweet that, but I was thinking the same thing. Why are we carrying him off of the field like it's a like it's World War Three? Yeah, um, my mood, <laughs> like, my mood it's came like off. Forrest Gump scene, man. Yeah. Like, what is going on, bro? <laughs> two grown men carrying a guy out, and were both of his ankles shot, or was it just well, one? Well, I think just one. Um, but also, I, I, it looked like they were talking about getting him off the field, and he like said no. 
and then you know did the like the one hop thing. It was his left. His, he wasn't putting any, any pressure on his left foot. Um, but then you know once you get it's, it's that it's like that pride thing. It's like hey, if I if I can move, if I can walk, uh, even if I need help, I'm gonna you know don't cart me off the field. Fuck all that. Um, but, me to cart. But, <laughs> um, but then cry. but then when he was on the sideline, then they like full on carried him to the locker room. Mm. Um, um, don't, don't know. Um, I, I mean, it's just, uh, we ha- haven't, haven't thought much about, you know, didn't, didn't think much about the game going into it ever since Mullen was, has been fired. Uh, it's kind of been, I think, um, just on, on another note on Naquan Wright's run, I think he need to put the foot, he need to put his foot in the ground and go. He, he's starting to dance a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like his footwork, but I thought he was he's dancing an ankle a little snatcher. bit. Yeah. Uh, do that in the hole, but you can't be dancing in the backfield. I think they need you to put your foot in the ground. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think, let's see, who else? So you gave a shout-out to him before. Kamari Gamble, uh, I think, played uh, played well. Uh, ends the season up with just a yard south of, of 400 yards on the season. Uh, obviously, they have a bowl game ahead of him. But, you know, I thought, you know, especially for what we thought would be more – um, you know, use out of the tight end this season. I, I think that he uh, definitely showed up uh, when needed. Again, shout out to Damian Pierce that run, uh, even though it didn't count for a touchdown, will forever be used uh, in Gator lore when talking about this game. Um, what do you guys pick? That uh, the picture of him running with no helmet, or the uh, Earl Everett sack on uh, on Troy Smith? Mm, well, I mean, one's a national championship game. One <laughs> is uh, to go six and six. <laughs> Uh, Nick, one he, is a picture, and the other one's a picture. So, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, one, one is you know the, you versus the guy she told you not to worry about. Uh, it's got to be Earl with the with the sack. Um, but Damian Pierce is my guy. I, I'm petitioning for him to come back. He yeah, can theoretically come back. I got a better right? question for you. Give me uh, better, better. Which one you prefer, Zook being carried out of Doke? Or, or run Zook game last night. Which one means more to you? Greg Knox game. Um, I think Ron Zook. Ron Zook Field. Yeah, Ron Zook Field. The, the day that they dedicate the entire field to Bobby Bowden and yeah, they slap. lose to a lame slap. duck coach. Um, but Greg's situation just slaps, though. Bro, he ain't got an OC. He ain't got a DC. He don't have an offensive line coach. Yeah. Your OC, your OC was an analyst. His unit, his wow, unit, a year ago. Yeah, his 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 special team unit stinks. Like he's the interim, um, but somehow he figured out a way. This it is the best our team. The, the best our team has looked all season. The most prepared our team has looked all season <laughs> was this past Saturday. Did you catch the uh, the highlight video Gators football tweeted out? I I don't think so, but I Never did lost. catch. I it did was, catch the parachute like. coming in, our parachute jumper. And Greg Knox was firing the boys up before the game. I can see said, it. Said, when you leave that tunnel, they're locking the gate behind you. I see what Nick trying to do. You go out there and kick their ass. Listen, like, Greg Knox is not going to be at Florida much much more longer than uh, whatever, whenever the bowl game is. But my dog is the interim coach god. No He's 2-0. The king no, of the interim. Never lost. The, the, the best winning percentage of any coach in college football history. A shout out to a running the Gator football account. That was hilarious. That was good. Um, one other thing from the game. Um, I think it's 
I was a little concerned that Florida, I, I think I tweeted, I was like, all right, Florida should like start running away with this at, at some point. And, and there's no sense in like beating a dead horse. Um, Cause you're about to get a whole new staff, new culture. But I think that's something that will stick with me with Dan Mullen's era is that when Florida got up on teams and, and could have, you know, put the, put your foot on their throat ended games that too many times they didn't. And I thought, I think Florida was up. It was a two possession game. I'm thinking, all right, Florida should start, you know, running away with this. And then Florida state goes down the field scores, um, you know, and then we're in a position where we, we get that glorious blooper reel. Uh, we'll fight the, the griff, riff. baby. Yeah. Um, but that's just, I mean, not to be a dead horse, but it's just something that, that has stuck out with me in the Mullen era. It's just not being able to close teams out um, when you have the opportunity. I think you could have closed Florida State out in the third quarter and, and had a really lopsided game into the fourth. Well, they should have closed out in the second quarter. There was a number of drives where just, I mean, they were in the red zone and throwing interception. You have a number of bad turnovers. Some egregious um, interceptions. Yeah, it just, I mean, they were late. They were off. I mean, just everything about it, I and mean, it just – you know, I tweeted during the game. This isn't a slight to Emory Jones at, at all as a as a person. It just it, it seems like there's something very off mentally. Uh, just seems like he doesn't have it. But I also just think that he lacks so much confidence that he's he's behind on a lot of throws. He makes very slow reads. He just doesn't feel comfortable in this offense. And for for a guy that's been the you know system for four years. I just I don't get it. You know, a lot of these mistakes you expect in, you know, game one, game two, game three, not in year four, game twelve. And it's just like it just looks leaps and bounds. Like I don't think it looks close when Anthony Richardson gets in. It just looks like a more in command offense. Like I, I just think he he looks like he's more sure of everything he's doing from his mannerism to to, to the calls, breaking the huddle, everything about his body language says it's like he's more fit and ready for the job. Um, and then he didn't do anything spectacular. He just didn't turn over the ball, managed the offense, hit wide, hit open receivers. Yeah, um, made a couple of really good checkdowns. Right, right. Just just manageable stuff. Like, he didn't do anything. He didn't have to beat Cam Newton for Auburn or nothing yesterday to beat Florida State. Uh, we should have blown that team out. But we gave him three interceptions in the first half that kept him in the game, made that way more weird than it should have been. Not, not to beat a dead renegade. <laughs> there it that's is. Why, that's why you get paid the big bucks, right. Corey. Um, and one other thing I wanted to read, um, I wanted to read it when you mentioned um Komori. Um he he released something on Twitter, and I think a lot of times we don't know like what's going on off the field with these guys. Um right. and, and we had known about his mom. Um she had she had been in the hospital in, in ICU uh, for most of the fall. She was able to be at the game Saturday. I know that meant a lot to him. Um, but he released something saying um, one of his closest friends was killed the night before the the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma. His cousin was murdered um, shortly after that. His grandma passed away a few months later, and then dealing with his mom. So I mean, there's so much stuff that you know we we just don't know that's going on outside and that these guys are dealing with. Um, right. So shout out to Kamori and shout out to Dan Mullen, Tim Brewster, his teammates, Vernell Brown, everyone around him. Um, you know, when you're going through stuff like that, it, the people that you're around on a day-to-day basis, I mean, they're putting in probably 80 hours a week um, with each other. Um, shout out to everyone, you know, providing him a support system. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Shout out to and these pr- seniors. Uh, there was another, 
I think it was Scott, uh, Gator Scott, uh, that covers the, the UF for the UAA. Um, you know, he posted a, a photo of one of the walk-ons and, and pardon me for getting his name. You know, can't forget about those guys, you know, for the last three, four, five seasons, however you long. You just been forgot about him, bro. I forgot his particular <laughs> name. This is kind of like the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier where I'm giving them all credit uh, as one collective group. Um, Man, tell us not know, to forget about him. He's like, I forgot his name, but don't forget about him, guys. Yeah, no, no. no I, I said don't forget about the walk-ons as a whole. Uh, but no, you're right. Yeah, no, that's, that's Brandon Picard is the guy you're talking about. That's exactly who I, I was just going to say that, Nick. Um, <laughs> friend, so, friend, friend of the walk-ons, friend yeah, of the punters. Yes, I'm here for. I'm friend. here for those. Hey, shout out to that punt, bro. What a fucking punt! Thank uh, he, you. He put his. He put his whole. Uh, yeah, like, he put go, his whole yeah. foot in that kick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're figuring something out there. Yeah, yeah. And I was about to say something crazy. Uh, but he put his whole foot in that kick, bro. What a kick, yeah. man. Yeah. And Listen, so shout out. To, go ahead. I've got a standing invitation from the Crawshaws. If y'all want to come to Australia, Emu Plains, New South Wales, we do a live pod from Down Under. Down under, that's a manscaped read ad. That'd be that'd be the most epic manscaped read ad. Right, right. It's a, I like it's a small, I like, it's a small I like, I like little town. It. I like what you're taking. Small it. little town, only about four thousand people, so it might be interesting. Even but I got a standing place. invitation. What do they eat? More emus and people. Yeah, eat whatever. We're on the outback, buddy. They have an outback in Emu Plains, an actual. That's agreed. Outback steakhouse. Do you think they have blue onion? They have to. They have to. Outback Steakhouse has nothing to do with Australian food. Nothing. No, no, no. It's a Crocodile Dundee reference. Yeah, remember we talked about <laughs> yeah. this last week. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do want to give a shout out. As I was saying, Brandon Bacar, big, big fan. Um, shout out to the walk-ons that that aren't, you know, they got recognized, but but probably didn't get the playing time, uh, you know, for for giving what they gave. But um, of this senior class, let's give a quick shout out. Who was your favorite senior? You have to pick one. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, just on. I mean, just because for the, the close relationship working with the, the, uh, working with him this year, I'm gonna go with Rick Wells. Um, came in, it was rough. Uh, got into some trouble with Tyree Cleveland. Um, got buried on the depth chart a little, a little bit. Didn't really get to see him a lot, and then just seeing him on um, this year be a leader on the team. Um, watching him mature and just get some touchdowns, get some tick. Um, it was dope. Even seeing him get, get a couple catches. Just not not a loud rah rah guy. But he waited his turn and and did things the right way. So I'm, I'm gonna go with Rick Wells, man. Off the radar seen, a little bit. I could went with Randy, his, but Randy ain't play. Yeah, you, you, Randy his, um, you ever see his dog when you're doing your uh, like zooms with him? Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to live in the same apartment complex with him. He has got a that. I mean, that dog must be ninety pounds. It's, it must be like some kind of pit bull it's, mix. It's a, it's a it's a monster. It's a it's a horse. What is up? All them boys got pit bulls, man. They have like hey, they, they must have got a plug with a breeder in town. Man, it's hard to live with them. I used to have pit bulls. It's hard to, to live in neighborhoods with them. I had to I had to quit that that uh, hobby. Mm. Um, my favorite senior. Um, I'll, I'll go two. One one Randy Russell. Um, it's a good one. Just just for everything that he's gone through, just to stick with it. I mean, I. The, I wouldn't. I would. I don't know what I would have done if you know someone told me if I was good enough to go to a school like Florida mm-hmm. on a scholarship, and, and then somebody you know as soon as I show up to campus, like oh hey by the way that's not happening anymore. So figure it out. What's Plan B? There is no Plan B. Um, and then my other one is Damian Pierce, the, the king of the press conference. Damian Pierce. Um, 
brought shout out to Cassidy. He brought Cassidy up. We FaceTimed Cassidy when he uh, mm. showed up to the podium. And he, <laughs> he held the phone with her up there. Um, he's a great guy, uh, great young man. That's the kind of person you kind of you want representing your university. He's a funny guy too. I love it. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go Damian Pierce as well. Um, just a hell of a player. You know, a guy I think is gonna have a great NFL career. Uh, well, I hope he does. I hope he gets the the, the chance to uh, to to get on a team, get on a roster, because I think that he's the type of guy back that you want. I think he runs hard. Uh, he's a north south runner, and he doesn't have a lot of miles under his feet. So, uh, hopefully, a fresh guy going into college. So, um, while we were uh, doing that, uh, while you guys were talking, Dan Mullen has been announced as a special guest for uh, SEC um portion of uh, game day uh, from the SEC championship so um so Dan Mullen will be on your your TVs you'll you'll he'll be out of hiding for the first time since last uh Sunday so be on the lookout uh big show today we've got Ross Dellinger coming on uh to talk about Billy Napier uh we've got Chris Landry coming on the show to talk about Billy Napier and then you've got all of us uh, breaking down our takes about Billy Napier, who is the Gators' uh, next head coach coming to UF from Louisiana Lafayette, where he's currently uh, sitting at an 11-1 record uh, with the Sun Belt Championship uh, conference game on the line on Saturday against Appalachian State. Uh, the announcement was made on Sunday afternoon, November 28th, which is a day that we told you guys uh, both on Twitter and on this podcast is a day to look out for. Uh, so a lot of backstory going into that. Uh, we'll break that down a little bit more after we get Ross on. Uh, but before we do that, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Home Field Apparel. Visit homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code Stadium and Gale. Get 15% off of your order. It is the holiday season. It is gift giving time. Gift your significant other, friend, spouse, relative, uh, neighbor, coworker, uh, with their favorite apparel. Obviously, we encourage you to buy the University of Florida apparel, but that code does work on over. I think it's over a hundred schools. It's an incredible amount, uh, all sorts of, uh, sizes of school too. So check your alma mater, check your significant others, alma mater, uh, great products, high quality, high class homefieldapparel.com promo code stadium in Gale. Let's get Ross Dellinger on the line. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. My buddy, uh, whiskey, bourbon connoisseur, SI writer, Ross Dellinger, uh, on the road. Thank you for joining us uh, as you travel throughout the college football landscape. How are you in, in lovely Texas? Yeah, good, Nick. It just went from, uh, well, let's see. My road trip, I'm in the very right in the middle of a 23-day road trip, which probably was poorly planned, but... I went from uh, D.C. where I live to Ohio uh, to Columbus, Ohio for Ohio State, Michigan State, which was a lovely game, 49 nothing at halftime. And then I uh, stayed there for a few days and then flew to Oak, uh, flew to Biloxi, where I'm from, for Thanksgiving, then flew to Oklahoma City for Bedlam and just drove from Oklahoma City to Dallas today. So it's uh, it's been long and winding, and I'll, I'll stay here for about a week or so, cover the uh, CFP meetings, Big 12 championship, and then probably head out to Vegas for the uh, football foundation stuff. Oh, yeah. We feel really bad for you heading out to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Vegas in December. It stinks, huh? 
Yeah. <laughs> um, before, go, go ahead, Dan. No, I was just going to say, before we dive too deep, I, I want to make sure that we talk about this first. Uh, bourbon of choice. Oh. More. More. Mm. Mm. I, I I mean, I I drink. I'm not real particular. But, I mean, like, I, I love a good Buffalo Trace. Mm. Um, I love wood. I, I'm a big Woodford Reserve fan. And then usually in my decanter, I have two decanters. Usually I keep uh, one decanter is the cheap bourbon. Yeah. And one, one decanter is, is the high priced and the cheap bourbon isn't really that cheap, but it's kind of always my mainstay is makers. And then the other one, um, the other decanter kind of gets rotated with some of the better stuff. I love it. I love it. All right, Nick, go ahead and talk about the more important stuff. Uh, if I visit in DC, which decanter would be opened? Uh, you, you're the cheap, you go, you get the cheap stuff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Makes sense. <laughs> you, got some, you got some Jim Bean laying around? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's Kentucky gentleman. <laughs> I, I don't know how I've become like the guy that gets kicked around on this podcast and, and our, our guests don't get clued in on this, but they just jump right in. Don't miss a beat. Um, ah. Ross, we, uh, we talked, um, I reached out to Ross before the announcement happened. Uh, just trying to get a sense of, uh, Billy Napier. And, and I think, you know, him a little bit, um, from being around that area. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about with you at the time about kind of the politics of Louisiana and, and Scott Woodward's from Baton Rouge. Um, he's he's grown up in it, and and I almost equated it to well, if Billy Napier was FIU's coach, would Florida fans want Billy Napier? And it was kind of like a you you called it like a little brother um, syndrome. Is is Florida lucky that LSU didn't come calling Billy Napier? Um, if if Florida fans want Billy Napier, they are lucky that LSU didn't come calling. I I, um, I think that um, you know I I don't know. It's it's it is hard to say, but I, I will I will say that the I think the Billy Napier camp, so to speak, uh, last weekend when Florida was pursuing um, made it clear to LSU that Florida is pursuing and this is probably your last opportunity to, to get in. And they said, uh, no, you know, so, um, I think Florida should be probably pretty happy that, uh, that LSU didn't get in the mix. And I think there was some Florida administrators, uh, that, that were, uh, that were concerned that LSU might try to get in the mix. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, they did not. So, and like you said, yeah, in, in the state of Louisiana, it's almost like a big brother. It's not even big brother, little brother. It's big brother, little sister there. It really is. That's how they treat it. That's how they look at them. Um, and so it's it, it, politically there. There certainly are issues in um, going and plucking, uh, you know, UL's coach to come save the flagship program. I think there, there are issues there. Um, but it's not only that. I, I think that any group of five head coach, would probably be frowned upon by by LSU. I mean, I think they they believe they have a good enough job to go get somebody in a in a bigger position. That's how they look at it. It's maybe the arrogant way to look at it, but but that's how they look at it. Well, right now, right Scott. Now. Right now, Scott Woodward looks like twenty one year old Nick at at closing time at the bar. He's just like throwing <laughs> hail yeah. marys. Like yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. Brian Kelly's name pop up today. Um, Lincoln Riley was just given half of Southern California to go out there. Um, so it, it, listen, and maybe Billy Napier doesn't work out and probably not with the people, um, here, uh, you know, listen to our podcast, want to hear, but if Billy Napier works out at Florida, um, 
that's not going to look good uh, on Scott Woodward for certain. No, no. And until the SEC changes their scheduling format, as you guys know, that probably will happen when OU and Texas get in the league. You know, LSU and Florida play every year. And um, so LSU is going to get um, a, an annual dose, at least for the next three years or so, of Billy Napier. And, um, yeah, I think there's a decent contingent of LSU fans that uh, that wanted them to hire Billy Napier. Um, so, and then, but there's probably a bigger contingent that wanted them to go get a bigger star and the, the flashy name and all. Uh, Russ, I want to ask you uh, just about Billy Napier, just as a, as a coach, you know, a lot of fans have followed Billy Napier for maybe one game now, maybe two. Um, certainly they're acting like experts. They've read articles. Uh, but what is it about Billy Napier that made him an attractive candidate? Um, and then on the flip side of, you know, what was Billy Napier looking for in a job? Because he's obviously turned down a number of, of opportunities over the last couple of years uh, to go from a group of five school to an SEC school. Well, Billy is a, uh, you know, country boy from, from North Georgia, coach's son, um, you know, obviously had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of Nick Saban rubbed off on him. Um, his whole program, which I've, I've got a chance to visit a couple of times, his whole program um, is geared around um, Nick Saban's style, um, his organization, uh, his off-the-field support staff. It's so important to Billy, the the off-the-field nature of, of this whole thing and, and having the deep support staff and having the commitment from administration, from AD to president and so on. And that's why he's, to get to your second question, that's why he's turned down, uh, turned down or pulled his name out of so many other jobs, um, you know, Baylor, uh, Auburn, Mississippi State, uh, South Carolina. I mean, the, it, it's really could go on and on. Uh, and one of the reasons is is he is particular. He wants a commitment from off the field support staff type. He wants a commitment from uh, in alignment of AD, president, all that stuff. Uh, he wants uh, he wants a blue blood type situation uh, program. Uh, where you can win a national championship, and um, I think he's, I think he's found that in Florida. Real quick, and, um, and I think, I think, real quick, Silk. I think Scott right. Strickland was talking directly to Billy Napier. I think you were on that press conference that Sunday when he right. said, you know, there's boosters, there's board of trustees, and they're not really getting in the mix here at Florida like some other universities. That was a, a, a guy who knew who he wanted knew probably why some talks fell through in the past and was speaking directly to uh, the guy he was targeting and saying, listen, if you didn't like that, you know, the structure at Auburn when you were talking to them last year, that's not what we have over here. He was – Scott Strickland was selling the job to Billy Napier, uh, you know, before the, the job was probably even offered to him. Yep, yep. They've been – I think, uh, as you know, you know, they've, they've been scouting Billy for – quite a while uh scouting a lot of i think a handful of candidates for quite a while i think each one of scott strickland's lieutenants got a couple of candidates to scout uh and this was could have been you know multiple months ago uh and they and, and they each scouted him and did all the the research so he had everything he needed um about about billy and his past and in his situation and why he maybe turned down some other jobs. Uh, and you're right. He probably was speaking 
kind of directly to him uh, about that. And yeah, that was, um, that was smart because um, I'm sure that if I had to guess, Billy, Billy heard those, Billy heard those words and, and heard that plan. Real quick. How, how important is uh play calling to Billy um, and his offense? Yeah. You know, he calls all the plays and he's, um, and that's one thing that, uh, I guess the blemish in in Billy's uh, uh, career probably is what happened at, at Clemson. He, him and Dabo, I think it's pretty public. You know, they they uh, kind of knock heads there on on where it be strategy or offensive vision, whatever you want to call it. And Billy Billy, uh, I think has a plan offensively in. It's his plan, and I don't think a lot of people are going to be changing his plan. And he's going to – I'm sure he's going to call the plays, and that's how he likes it. Um, he's hes really uh, – that is that is kind of non-negotiable with him just from hearing about it. And, you know, hes he's a – he is. He's a creative offensive mind. Uh, he's not going to – you know, I, I don't know if I describe – he certainly runs a spread. You know, they, they do run a spread. Um but he runs the ball. Um, that is something that he's big on. He runs the ball and wants to control line of scrimmage. Pete Spurrier famously said, uh, if you get a job because you called plays, don't give up that that uh, responsibility when you get that job. So I, I think uh, some Florida fans and I, I – getting your first here, power five. Go ahead. Here's my take. Like, I don't mind if he do call the plays, but I do would like some other input from OC on some different styles of offense to add to what he has is my take. Um, I am interested in Willie Korn and some other guys he worked with before in the past. Willie Korn got some real in interesting concepts in his offense. So I, I don't mind him as a play caller. I just don't want his entire playbook. Um, so I'm interested to see who his OC is going to be. Yeah, it, it – uh, you know, Billy's um... – Last OC that left him now is in the NFL. Uh, Rob Sale, he actually is a LSU uh, guy, and um, you know, wouldn't surprise me to, to see Rob back in the mix. I think they have a really good relationship. I don't know if Rob would want to come back, but um, you know, he's a, a Rob's a whole offensive line guy. So once again, he he puts a premium on the O line and you know, on controlling that line of scrimmage. And it's and it. I sh I shouldn't say that that Billy is not, uh, I mean, he's adaptive. I think he's, he's a guy that will listen to others. Um, but yeah, he's certainly going to have the, the final say. And when you work for Dabo Sweeney, you know, you can't have the final say. And I think that probably is part of what happened there. What, what can you tell us? Um, we hear a lot about detail oriented. I think, does he call it the plan or does he call it the process? Um, and, and listen, Florida, has gone through this with Saban, Saban guys. You know, Jim McElwain came in and talked about the 36-month schedule that has everything on it so you're never, um, you know, surprised when something happens. And Florida watched uh, that coaching staff be surprised by many things uh, despite despite the calendar. So what makes this different? What What is his process? Is And just, I guess, if you can, tell Florida fans the kind of person that's coming in to be their coach. Well, he is process oriented. It's it's it is all about that. You know, when you hear him talk, it's a lot like listening to Nick Saban when he talks about the process and the off the field stuff. And I, I'd say ninety percent of Billy's focus is on 
is on the off the field. I mean, you know, he, he <clears throat> starts there. That's kind of like the the foundation. It's the strength staff. It's the 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 um, you know evaluation. Uh, uh, the walk on program is huge. It's part of what turned him off. I think with TCU, it's private school. They don't have as many walk on spots, or it's difficult to get walk ons. Whatever, something about that uh, because he did interview at TCU. In in I think that. That all that is important. They do two spotting, which is a long time in a uh, Nick Saban practice uh, kind of format, where you have two, you have four, really four teams at the same time going. It's always go go go. His practices are intense. Um, so yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's all about uh, the the whole process and the whole. And I know it's cliche to kind of say that stuff now, but I mean I spent time over there, and it it really is like the culture process type thing. It, it really is. And and all of his staff, you know, loves working for him. And a lot of them could have left him uh, for bigger jobs when he turned down bigger jobs. And and a lot of them did. Uh, they they kind of hitched their wagon uh, to Billy because they do believe in him. Uh, Ross, where where do you rank? You know, there's a lot of discussion, you know, with the LSU job, obviously the USC job, the Florida job. Um, you know, where do you rank, you know, Florida. Obviously, I know every coach is looking for something different, but you know, there's a lot of discussion about where does that Florida job rank. Um, it seems like Florida was able to go out and get their top target lock on pretty quickly. But you know, how does you know from an outside perspective, you know, outside of the SEC, how does the Florida job you know compare to you know a lot of these other you know big name programs? Yeah, I know this season uh, it was like mid season. There was this big debate on what the better job is. It's it's. It's all so subjective. Um, it, it, it's, it just is. I mean, um, I think there are probably, you know, two or three things that make that you look at or evaluate when you when you're trying to make that list of good jobs. And the first thing is, is the recruiting territory that you're in. And, and Florida pretty much can't be in a better uh, position when it comes to that. You're not only are you pretty close to Atlanta, but you're in the state of Florida that produces maybe the best skill. Uh, players of, of any state in the country. So uh, it's got, you know, you, you check, you check that box for sure. Uh, and then you, you got the resources, um, you know, and, and I don't, I don't think Florida's lacking there. Um, and, and then you, you kind of have the like support facilities, whatever you want to call it. And I know that Florida has been lacking in that category, right. For, for a little bit. And I think there are plans, if I'm not correct in, in, um enhancing some of that so those are the three things you look at and i mean florida's pretty up there i mean it's got to be you know i, I was having dur during this past week before all the news came out that he had actually you know committed to to florida and was going to sign with them there was kind of a debate if lsu did come back at billy he would have a, a tough decision because those jobs are fairly similar they're in pretty good recruiting territories they have really good resources I think um, people would tell you that LSU probably has, you know, when it comes to facilities, probably is better. But I know Florida is in the middle of enhancing things. So they're both fairly similar. They're both top five, top eight jobs. Yeah, I think that's why Florida works so expeditiously to to make this happen. And, and thank you, Scott Strickland, because a seven-day coaching search, fantastic. Can't imagine. Uh, I mean, I know USC got, got a guy now, but – it feels like Todd Helton was fired three years ago. Um, they've been in the coaching search for a while. Uh, so happy that it's over. Uh, now what? Four, 14 assistants. So it's not totally over, but one of them is done. Um, 
Ross, we want to thank you. Uh, I look forward to uh, talking to you to see uh, how not to make Billy hate me uh, at the opening press conference. <laughs> hey, real quick. You know, Billy, <laughs> hey, tell him to unblock me. I don't know why he got me blocked. <laughs> Bro, you, you were probably blocked. talking reckless when he was in Alabama. Yeah. Five, you were definitely talking reckless. It's, it's weird because Billy's, I don't, I mean, I guess I know him well, but not well enough, I guess, to know about his Twitter. But he has gotten a couple of other people blocked in, I don't, I don't feel like Billy. No, I was talking reckless. I deleted the tweets so he can't see. (laughs) Somebody was having a a conversation about OCs back at the time. I think we had uh, Muschamp and somebody was saying Billy Napier. And I was saying, are you nuts? Um, Listen, Silk's not pleading not guilty. He earned the ban. He just wants it to be reversed. He's trying to get out of parole. It wasn't wasn't that egregious. Um, Big Napier fan. Give me that. (laughs) Always have been. Yeah, he's a, he's a good guy, and he doesn't seem like a Twitter guy. So I'd, it really would surprise me that he goes and blocks people. I wonder if it's somebody else doing that for him. But right, real quick, Ross, his demeanor—he uh, has a calm about him. Uh, what do you think about him as a person? Like he has like a different type of calm. Like just watching him interview. I was, I've been going Napier deep, but he has a calm about him that's a little different. Um, what do you think about him personally? Like his demeanor. He is. He's, I would use the word chill. Like he's just, he's laid back, man. I mean, he's got that, you know, Northern Georgia, like country accent and just way about him. Um, He is, he's really relaxed and, uh, and doesn't say a ton. I mean, he's not, he's not super chatty uh, in some, but, but the things he does say uh, again, it, it, some things remind me of Nick Saban, the things he does say, you know, kind of speak, uh, Uh, yeah. speak speak loudly to you even though he, he's not uh, he's not saying a lot so uh, but he is he's a chill guy does he look like Bobby Hill from King of the Hill <laughs> that could be his uh, cartoon man, character maybe. Dan's been selling this man like all week no that's that's Nick that's Nick's been selling it I'm sorry Nick that might be his cartoon character it could be who knows sorry for having fun Silk my bad no, no, no. That was your hint. That was his hint for uh, the coach. When everybody was sending out their little smoke signals on who it may be. Mine was the that's, that's the picture that, that, that Nick put out there for the streets. <laughs> People were like, his Very name's good. Billy, not Bobby. And I was like, yeah, man, I know. I just think he looks <laughs> like the cartoon. All right, Ross, <laughs> before, right, before, before we get crazy here, you can tell people where to find you, where to yell at you, uh, and uh, and all that good stuff. Yeah, you go to si.com and follow me on Twitter at Ross Dellinger. I love it. Well, thanks so much, Ross. We appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll see you soon. All right, Enjoy guys. Enjoy Vegas. Thanks. All right. We got another special guest joining us here in a moment. Uh, but before we do that, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Game Time Sidekicks. Go visit them, GameTimeSidekicks.com. Use promo code STADIUM and get 10% off of your order. Again, promo code STADIUM. Uh, vacuum sealed. Great for uh, coffee in the morning or drink in the morning or drink. Um, they, they've got tumblers, they've got large 32 ounce cups, 20 ounce cups, 24 ounce cups, whatever you may need, even protein shake, uh, cups, check them out. GameTimeSidekicks.com. Use promo code stadium for 10% off. Uh, but before we move on to our takes about Billy Napier, we're bringing on a living legend in the college football game. It's Chris Landry. Chris, thank you so much for joining us this evening. How are you doing? Good guys, how are you? 
Good, good. Chris, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, obviously, breaking down the Billy Napier hire, just had Ross Dellinger from uh, Sports Illustrated on. Excited to get your take. Uh, just overarching themes, thoughts on the hire, fit for Florida. Uh, what are your thoughts, Chris? Well, I think Billy's a really good coach. He's got um, – he grew up around the game. Um, he's really worked for some good people, obviously, with my uh, background – Working with Nick, um, you know, I've gotten to know him, uh, Billy, pretty well. You know, he's just a bright young coach that has um, been a tireless recruiter, um, which is a big part of what they were looking for. Uh, good evaluator and just really, really works at it. Worked at it really hard as an assistant. And he's got really good organizational skills, I think, to put together a good staff and um, you know, I think it's, I, I think he's ready for this opportunity. Um, you know, he's, um, he's done a really good job of, um, ULL and, you know, I think that, um, you know, it's, you never know until you get one of these opportunities, it's different, but he's, um, you know, the experience and the background, uh, and the knowledge that he has people like working with him and for him. So. I think he's really good hire. It's, um, you know, I mentioned that, you know, he had a really good game plan in the interview when he discussed it with him, how he was going to do it, the assistance he was going to target, everything. And, you know, it was a, it's a pretty easy sell. Scott, it's actually worked this, been working this even before Dan was let go in, in the, mm -hmm the mm -hmm. possibility that he might have to do that. And if he didn't, and I think we were all looking at it thinking, I don't know how this is going to play out. And if it had finished like eight and four and things were getting better, it might've been different. And I think they, they were thinking that as well, but I think he deserves a lot of credit for being prepared for what he might have to do so that when he had to do it, it didn't take him long to go and wrap it up and get it done. And, you know, some, I've been involved in a lot of coaching search work. Sometimes you just, you know, you, you, you work in the fit and it just, it takes a while. It just, I, you know, it's hard to explain. And then other times it just, you know, it hits. It's um, I like to tell it with folks, it's a lot like matchmaking, you know, sometimes the chemistry is there and then the sparks fly. And sometimes it's just like, Oh goodness, this this may take a little work, and then yet it gets stronger and stronger. And you go back and you look, and I always tell guys all the time: interview as many people as possible because it just it's good information gathering process. But when you got your guy, you got your guy, and I think that they definitely feel like they got theirs. I know they feel like they got it, and we'll see down the road how it plays out. Yeah, I think I think Scott Strickland identified Billy probably even before this season that he, you have a working list of guys. Hey, if we get into a position where we're looking for a coach, what's our working list. And you're always moving names up and down and on and off that list. Um, I think probably after that South Carolina game, you reach out and start gauging interest. Um, we were just talking to Ross Dellinger. I think with LSU being open, Scott figured this is our guy. We need to expeditiously go after him because there's other jobs out there right now. Um, so credit to Scott. I think I, I said it. I think this will be the first time since I've been covering Florida that when an AD walks up and says, 
this is the only guy we talked to. This is the only guy we offered it to that, you know, you won't say BS. I think this was his guy. Um, and I think he was afforded the opportunity to make this hire on his own without pressure. Cause I don't know that an SEC athletic director gets to hire three football coaches. Um, so this, I think is Scott Scott's on all Scott. The, hey, whoever you're hitching your wagon to, this is going to be you. So I think Scott was afforded the opportunity to make this decision on his own. Um, and credit to him for identifying a guy aggressively going after him and closing the deal in a week. Well, I think a lot of guys too, um, I notice this a lot with athletic directors, they tend to want to go to, to win the press conference and make the splash hire because if it's, if it's the splash hire, then it's, well, I did my job. And if it doesn't work, well, who can blame me? It's not my fault. And if that were the case, Lane Kiffin does that for you. Well, the, the, the reality is it's not your job. Your job is to get the best guy for the job and you know, to hell with it. People don't like it. You know, they'll (laughs) like it when you start winning. And, you know, if you didn't get it right, then you didn't do your job, whether it was popular or not. I think that, but we live more and more, more and more in the world of how people are going to perceive you and look mm-hmm. to the point of, and I don't think it necessarily started, but that was the, the height of it was the Tennessee situation with Shiano, where it was, well, and this was is hilarious. a lot of reason of the, the, the floating out of things to where, I think there's sometimes an all in out panic. What if we have this backlash? What if it's this? And I think that has a lot to do with some of the leakage of, you know, it's the old political narrative. You think about trying to pass a bill, you float the idea out there. And then, you know, if the wind says, you know, people don't want it, we weren't going to do that. And, you know, and then if it is, then you, you know, you, and I think a lot of that takes place, which I think too much of it. And the, and the reason is most, administrators well i mean very few they don't they don't they're not from a football background so they really don't know coaches from being a coach i think those of us that coached the old athletic directors were guys that were ex-coaches make the phone call called the guys got it done now you're dealing with agents and the agents deal with coaching searches the 10% of the agents represent 90% of the, the the coaches. So they deal with just plenty of coaching searches every year. They'll they'll deal with more coaching searches in one year than than any 10 athletic directors will in their entire career cuz you're not going to get five bites at the apple of hiring a coach. You either you're lucky if you get a second one or a third certainly. Um so I think they have the edge in the negotiations and they can kind of put the pressure because if you've got three guys and they're all candidates, you can kind of manipulate the situation. So uh, I think it's a challenge for administrators, but I I, look, I'm happy about all I do. I don't do the coaching searches. I do the evaluations and it helps. I'm I'm glad that they're that way. It helps me, but I think that's a big part of the problem that, 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 uh, that a lot of ADs have. Uh, Chris, I want to ask you, um, obviously, Nick Saban and, and his coaching tree have put a lot of coaches uh, into, uh, you know, group of five jobs and power five jobs with, you know, mixed level of success. You know, you have your, you know, your Mark Richt and then you have your, you know, we'll we'll say Jim McElwain, right? You know, or mixed bag of success. Um, what is it about Billy Napier that really has his kind of 
kind of stuck out for him. Top name of, of protégés under Nick Saban, where, you know, it's not just kind of the fire of the barrel type of guy, uh, but a guy that, that seems to be highly taught it for such a long time and has had, you know, success. What are, what are some of his personality traits that well, have led to that? Look, time will tell whether, yeah, he's going to be more Kirby smart or Jim McElwain. I mean, you know, it's, it's, um, I think the personalities are the traits that he's um, he's very very organized. Like for example, I I think Will Muschamp was a really good recruiter, but I don't think he really had a good overall big feel vision of how to maybe run and handle recruiting from an offensive standpoint not real eclectic with his offensive views and, and didn't quite really struggle to find in both stops that he had as head coaches to find that. But he had a lot of other other qualities. Jim, um, you know, even Dan, who was not one of his, it's, it's a little bit more of recruiting issues. I, I think if, if Billy's going to have success, it's because his dogged determination as a recruiter in, in, administrators, whether it's college or the NFL, they tend to go to fix the biggest problem of the previous guy. I mean, the guy's mm-hmm. a hard-edged guy, maybe a more player's coach. He, offensive guy, you know, defense. The biggest issue with Dan was, okay, um, it, not just the recruiting results, but why. You know, members of that coaching staff, you know, they really surprising how little they met on recruiting, how little they spent time looking at film as a staff, uh, how little emphasis they put on it on a regular basis, comparatively speaking to others. So they want to get somebody that's just the opposite. So Billy is that. Billy's also a guy that's a, a serious thinker, but he's easy to get along with. I think those are um, – qualities that I think were appealing maybe as opposed to to Dan comparatively speaking to the the guys that 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 Nick has had you know he said different types of guys you mentioned Will he's mentioned Lane Lane's a free spirit and and very in in still in some ways a little immature Billy's very mature very do it very straight laced kind of a a guy you know just family man you know uh he's actually a i gotta see some wins but man on paper bro i like him on paper he's he's actually the next door neighbor to my my gotcha uh in lafayette my gotcha uh is his next door neighbor and 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 um so and they're you know the same unblock me (laughs) unblock you what does that mean (laughs) we'll talk talk about later (laughs) twitter okay uh yeah so um Anyway, um, so yeah, if, if I knew how to do that, if I do that, I'd help you. <laughs> if I knew how to do that, I'd help you. Hey, <laughs> Real I, quick. You just tell me, I don't know what that is. What the hell is he talking about? Block you. No, I'd don't, say, don't get, get down in stance. Get down in stance. Silk earned that blocking. He, er, he, earned, he earned that blocking, and now yeah, well, he's trying to, he's trying to get out of jail on good behavior. It's, we'll, we'll, not, we'll, it's not my we'll, first rodeo. We'll get you fixed up. We'll I appreciate it. Out. I do have a question. You talked about in the tweet um, that you were mentioning that uh, the staff-wise, that he kind of presented to the staff uh, or, or in the interview who he would uh, be ready to hire. 
Do you think he goes with an older uh, DC with like uh, Jim Knowles or, or maybe a younger guy? Well, I don't want to get too far into that. I don't want to let Billy let. Um, I I I think I know who his defensive coordinator will be if if oh, if, if, he can, if, if he can get it. But I just there's DM uh, me. I won't tell nobody. I probably yeah. I do that. I do yeah. that. Well, you know <laughs> what I do is I'll tell Billy to do it. But since you're blocked, there it you don't go. matter. Oh, anyway. yeah. Um, yeah, tell tell Billy I, to send I, me a message. Send me that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. um, look, I I think here's the other thing I will say about it. Um, without specifics. And, and let me just say this. Cheap plug, LandryFootball.com. I put a list of a whole bunch of guys that I think have have a lot of the qualities. He's been around a lot of good coaches, uh, you know, from Clemson, but a lot of the Alabama guys that have moved on. Um, I, 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 who he's going to get, who he can get, uh, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of different possibilities that I think would be good fits. But in terms of who, I don't think it's necessarily an older guy. Look, I think I, I just I think he's got a guy at ULL that is phenomenal. He may end up getting the head job at ULL for all I know. And 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 Tony, so I, I give you that one. And but there's some other guys he could bring in. I love Jim Knowles, by the way, and Jim mm-hmm. is someone that's done a great job at Oklahoma State, and I think. You know, people like Florida, whatever, they're going to pay a lot of money or it's going to be hard for Oklahoma State to keep them. Hmm. Yeah, that was a name that I heard. I I told these guys before the Napier hire was announced that, you know, there was a lot of connection with Jim Knowles. Um, I know that there's some connection and talk with Doug Belk over at at Houston and things of that nature as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But before pontificating too much about what that future staff may look like with names, is there a certain type of philosophy uh, that that he's looking for out of his coaches besides, you know, the dogged recruiter and everything else? There's a certain style of, of offense and de- obviously we know he runs a bit of a spread, but certain, you know, offense or defensive schematics that, that he's looking at when, when building up the staff. Yeah, you know, offensively, he really he he'll give a little more freedom to the defensive guys offensively. You know, he's got a little bit of an eclectic, you know, approach that he's taken. Um, it's kind of a little bit of what Alabama has done in the past with some of their one back spread stuff with some pro alignments. The thing I do like, and I'm, I'm a believer in, in that I think that you've, you've got to be aggressive offensively, but you've got to be real effective at complementing your defense. And I think you do that with a real good running game too. And I think that's what he wants to do. So, I mean, I think the whole, the whole just fly it out, let's score a million points. You see that if you can't finish games with a four-minute offense, you can't be as good in a two- and a four-minute offense, I think it limits you. I think it gives you a ceiling. Uh, you know, I, there's no question about it, and I know he's a lot of what he learned from the running game was from Joe Pendry, um, and I, I think a lot of the play action comes from that. I think you can see some elements of what Lane put in when – when um, when Nick brought him in there to, to basically Nick told him what he wanted. And I, I don't know if people know this, but the, the offense that Lane's run with the Orpo is not his offense. It was literally, and this is a tribute to Lane, Lane ran a completely different offense at USC. He came in and during the time when he got fired on, on the tarmac and he had plenty of time and, and he hired him for the bowl game, uh, you know, not for the bowl game, but at that time, he said, this is what I want to do. And Lane researched it. Lane studied and Lane put that together, which, by the way, is the real key to good offenses. Schemes don't win. 
It's the ability to adjust and modify schemes because schemes change. It's a constant evolving. You change and you adjust. The ability to be able to modify what you do. People that are married to a scheme end up, they die on the vine pretty quickly. I think he will he will be really good at implementing what he wants, but giving guys the freedom to go out, let's get it better, let's make it you know even better than we've had it. And I think it'll take a lot of Todd Graham stuff that he did at, at Arizona State. I mean, he's been around a lot of good people in a lot of good places, so I'm curious to see what he does defensively. I know that they want to be physical up front. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, from that standpoint, they're going to be a little bit more recruiting to fit a certain skill set and a style. And offensively, they're going to look for playmakers and middle round those guys, which is basically the philosophy at Alabama. What about um, there was a, a groundswell of support um, from Florida players to keep Nick Savage. Um, and, and I understand that from the player standpoint, that's the coach you're around the most. Um, but from a coaching standpoint, you have to know and trust that strength and conditioning coordinator because they're going to be shaping your team. They're going to be with your team more than you are because of NCAA rules. Um, I know that Mark Hawk is there uh, with Billy. Do you, I just don't know. And maybe you bring Hawk over and keep Savage so there's some continuity. But what do you think how Billy – What's his relationship with Hawk, and what do you think he'll do in terms of a strength and conditioning? It's it's as important a position as you have because they're around mm-hmm. those players all the time. The very simple answer is the head coach has to come in and has to hire guys that he's comfortable with, and he needs to sit down, and he needs to just like interviewing him as a head coaching candidate, you gotta you got to be really comfortable. It's fine to say, well, this guy's really good. He should say, I've been around this a million times. It, it, it's about how you work together and be on the same page. And I, 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 I just can't answer it. I can't answer the chemistry part mm-hmm. because that's got to happen organically. Uh, I've seen it where, you know, I've, I've been a holdover coach um, a couple of times. I, I, I can't really – explain why um you know but it just it's just a, a it's gonna have to it's gonna have to d- be determined organically whether it's something mm-hmm. that he feels that not and it's not competency it's about philosophically always seeing it the same way or is it more because it's tough sometimes for guys if they put in their structure and then you've got to go and and you've got to change it and you might not think that that's the best way because you've been doing it this way, but the new head coach wants to do it. You've got to iron that out. And I think you've, if you can, yeah, it's great. If not, then, then I think you move on. I think, I think that happens sometimes where, you know, and this is where people, I think, mess things up, but you know, uh, Brian Harson had a situation at Auburn, you know, was encouraged to keep a guy and, and a couple of guys and, one of them didn't work out during the beginning. I mean, and it, it was like three games into the season. You don't want that. I mean, you know, but when you're kind of – you're encouraged to do it and you believe in it and you you trust, then you realize you get in there. I, my, my receivers can't run the same route twice. 
we, you know, I, I just can't have this. And it, and it just sets you back and you certainly don't want to have to do that during the season. So you certainly want to make sure that in an off season conditioning program, that things are, you, you, you know, you don't want to have to be looking over somebody's shoulder. Th- did I make the right decision? Mm-hmm. I think that's a tough a- ask for me because it just has to be something organically that they figure out themselves. Uh, Chris, uh, there were some uh, reports of of Napier making some demands or, or uh, wanting some different type of uh, support uh, infrastructure wise. Do you know uh, any details of, of what he was asking for? Um. My sense is obviously he has an idea of what he wants in terms of a support staff, uh, analyst roles. Um, you know, I'm sure they had facility talks. You guys are aware of what's, you know, in the spring, you know, and, and I've in the firm belief that all three of the Florida schools kind of because of their success and locale and recruiting, I think they all kind of got a little lax with facilities over time. And I think those things are, you know, sometimes you're constantly chasing, you know, things there. But um, I think that what he's trying to put in place is, and this is important. I I really think it's important. I think he's learned this. If we're going to do things the right way, we're going to have to do things. This is how what we need. This is what we believe in. Now, at ULL, he did things on a different budget. But he did things like he took the same whole critical factors of how we evaluate players, the same thing that I helped Nick. Nick and I was together at the Belichick staff in Cleveland when he went to Michigan State, said, I want to put together the same program to evaluate players here. And he, he tweaked it when he went to LSU. And, he, you know, he actually took it to Miami and he, and he, and he took the concept to Alabama. Billy's got the same thing. He's learned that same thing. Well, that requires a certain um, flow chart of how players are going to be evaluated, where everybody's on the same page, and he wants to have uh, a staff that can do that, but that every position coach then goes up to the coordinator and the head coach, not going to offer a guy until everyone completes that process. And then in terms of how you look ahead and evaluate players, you know, explaining we now need to have a special room that is a for what we term I'm going my I'm going to my NFL roots and background now. We have a pro personnel room where we right. evaluate pro personnel, every player in the league that's graded and potential free agents. You better have that now and call it the transfer portal room or whatever you want to call it, but that's what it's about. Okay, who's gonna do that? How are you gonna track it? Who's gonna be evaluating all that? You know, that takes manpower that right. others have. Um, he also knows very well what the chief rival in the East is doing. Georgia has the largest support staff right now in the conference, even more than Alabama's. They certainly spend more money because a lot of time Nick takes these guys that are getting a lot of money from getting fired and buyouts. So, I, you know, it's all, that's what he's trying to get through. That's what he's trying to make sure that, those things are in place. I, that's not abnormal, though. That's that's what is done in any uh, situation that you have and say, this is what I want. This is what I need. And um, that's that. He, he had that in mind when he was looking at South Carolina and in other places that he's had. But at Florida, you can have that. You should have that. And everything that they're going to do at Georgia, if you're not doing that Florida, well, shame on you as an administration because – 
you expect to have the same results. It's like I tell the folks all the time that they get upset that, you know, at Florida State, they did things a certain way, and it was successful for a long time. But they let Clemson get so darn far ahead of them in terms of infrastructure and, you know, facilities and all. So now they're, they're, there's a, a, a huge gap. You don't want that to happen. You don't want that to be, you know, a huge gap that you, it takes you a long time to overcome because if you do your job and you have the same resources, well, then you should be held accountable. But if you don't, then that's on you as an administration, not on the coach because you're not playing with a, with a stack deck. And I think that's what he, that's all he was trying to do. And I think that's all any coach tries to do and, and is, Hey, what are you going to allow us to do? to have success and what are you committed to doing with us? Uh, how patient should Gator Nation be? Um, what are we looking at with, 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 with this hire? Uh, Listen, I, think on the Silk, I watched, trail. I watched Oregon, Utah, <clears throat> be patient. That might be an ugly first game. Oregon or uh, with Utah coming to the swamp, that, or, that Utah team. I didn't know that they played physical football out West and that team oh. strap, strap your chin strap up, man. Oregon Utah is going to hit. Good Utah. Um, Kyle has um, Nick hype everybody up though. Just to let you know that Lance. Yeah, I. Kyle has the best developmental program. We talk about the best developmental programs in the country. You can look at Iowa. You can look at Wisconsin. In the SEC, it's kind of a Kentucky. What what Mark does. Nobody does it better than Kyle at, at Utah. Those guys are physical. They're tough. Now, get them early in the year, which they do, because like well-coached teams, they get better as the year goes along, and they are tough. Um, they are this year again. Uh, but be that as it may, I mean, how patient. Look, fans are not going to be patient, so it doesn't matter what I say. I think that, that here's what you've got to look at is what they're able to do in recruiting, and we know that it's tough in the first year to just kind of hold it together. They're a little bit behind the eight ball this year on that. What they're able to do there, I think, is going to be interesting to watch. And then I think you got to see the overall talent level get to the point because they're not uh, quite where Georgia is, but they're still pretty talented. And anybody tell you, well, Florida's not any good. It's not about, well, may not be as talented as Florida, but what you don't want to see is – you know, we've seen this year where they've just really played down to some some weak opponents, um, even in some games that they've won. Um, I think, look at the energy, look at the organization. I think over time it'll take some time. I would say this, that anytime a new coach comes in, the early part of the tenure is more reflective of what he inherited than – Mm -hmm. You know, the longer he's there, it's more his program, if you will. I think the mm -hmm. first year, it's culture building. I don't know how bad the culture is. I think it got bad real quick. But sometimes when the culture gets bad real quick, it's just mainly frustration, you know, just sensibility that all is lost. That can be quickly turned around. If you've got a lot of guys, Florida State had a really bad culture that the guy that's there now inherited – that takes a while to fix because then you got to root guys out. And yet, if you root everybody out, well, then to answer your question, three years from now, we'll be trying to, you know, win eight games. And you don't want that. I don't think Florida's in that situation. I think this is a, a quick fix to turn around and be successful. Now, if the fans think, 
well, when are we going to beat Georgia? Well, you know what? You're you're behind Georgia right now. Let's just call it what no, it for is. For sure. For sure. And you're quite a bit behind them. But I do. It, we got a talent gap issue, and I do like him I, out of every candidate. That's why I have him at number one because if we got to close the talent gap, we need a, a recruiter and a dog and somebody with his like his his demeanor. Um, so I do like now, him for closing now, the talent. I will gap. tell you this, not to interrupt you, Corey. I'll tell you this. It probably won't tell you this, but because I don't think they, you know, but I'm because they don't like the comparison or whatever, and it's it's unfair, but. They think that the question about how does he match up, you know, compared to the Saban, I think they see him as more Kirby Smart-like, a guy that's going to recruit well, build a culture, and that's what that's what they're hoping it can be. And if he can oh, be, if he can, if he can be. Now, here's the thing, Georgia, what they've done with their facilities now, they are in a. Even when Florida finishes in the spring, there'll still be, you know, still work to go. But you start you start going in that direction and getting that type of personnel, that gives you a chance. And then, you know, I think you you can't be in a situation where you have to up coach uh, to, to, to beat somebody. I mean, last year they beat Georgia, and really it was about some of the things Georgia couldn't do. That, that shouldn't be. Florida shouldn't go in with the idea that, we need Georgia to stumble for us to beat them. That 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 should be a, you know, just an even match. And in a few years, perhaps it can be. But right now, it's it's not. So you we'll just see. need somebody that's going to take that that rivalry personal. Personal, and I think uh, Napier has a relationship with all those guys. Kirby, Nick, like he got all those guys don't like each other a little bit. They they friends. They coach together, but it's, it's a little rivalry there. And you need somebody with that energy. Mullen was just too nice. Like he was he was okay with losing recruits to Georgia. Like he just that just can't be a thing. But Dan was Dan was uh I like Dan. Um probably not as much as Dan liked Dan, but I liked Ooh. him. Um Dan, Dan, <laughs> Dan, Dan Mullen. That's a take. Yeah, Dan Dan Mullen. <laughs> I like um, that take. Um he he liked the idea if he could to beat people with perceived less talent or, or reality, less talent. Cause it's look what I did, you know, and it's, Ego. yeah, it's just, you know, it was more into that. And look, you got to go and get the best players that you can, and you've got to do the best job. Um, and you know, at Mississippi state, you can do that and develop guys and have a pretty good developmental program and go to bowl games and, you know, have a really really good career and a really nice job. And he had one and he'd still have it. You're going to take the Florida job. You understand that that's not the same type of job. It's not the same type of expectations. And you sure as hell can't recruit the same type of players. And you can't have that type of attitude that, well, we'll slow play guys in recruiting and we'll find our type of guys and we'll develop them. They'll be here. Ain't going to be there that long at Florida. I mean, they're going to come in. They're going to, you know, they're going to want to play. They're going to play early. They don't play. They're going to transfer. And, and if you if they don't produce, you're not going to be coaching them. I mean, this is this is a picture perfect case of my goodness, you blinked, and you got a guy that was you know last year it's oh top of the world it beat Georgia look out they're going to do this. I mean, you talk about the air completely out of the balloon. It it just he thought, burst, he, he, thought so. he was out of here. He thought he was going to NFL job, man. He got well, you candidate know, beat it, Georgia, huh? He tried to, he tried to pull the the James Franklin approach. You feel a little heat, so you 
get your name thrown into these jobs to where, oh, man, you know what? The Jets are interested in him. And, you know, this they, this school likes him. Well, may, may, maybe he's a lot better than we think. It's kind of like, you know, it just, hey, you have the, the pretty girl on your arm. You, you look a little handsomer to the other girls. So that's kind of that's – the, that's the little game that these guys play sometimes. And I think Dan kind of got, got caught into that a little bit, unfortunately. So what's what's next for Dan? Do you think do you think he he takes some time? Do you think he gets a another head job? Do you think he you know drops down to be a coordinator? Or well, you know he's he's got some time and money to figure that out. Um, I do think he has some value as if he wants to as a coordinator in the NFL. Which if look, he's got to decide. I, I don't know that it, that Dan doesn't like recruiting. I don't think he necessarily I know. maybe this. I know. Uh, Cuz he worked hard at recruiting at Mississippi State finding his type of guys. Now, if he's not into recruiting, well then obviously he's got to look at some opportunities in the NFL. If he wants to go at a place to where he can be a head coach, you know, there's certainly some value at him going to a place that's a that's a developmental program. And if he wants to do uh, along the lines of what he did at Mississippi State, he was very successful with that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know he, it, the ego and the money. And, you know, he's got, you know, time to, to maybe make that decision. I I don't know. You know, people say, was he going to sit out a year? And I, I, I don't think he knows. I think the right opportunity comes along in two months. You know, yeah, he may jump on it. Uh, it, it, it doesn't then you, you wait, you don't just, I uh, just jump in. It just really depends on how he feels. You know, I, I'm not quite sure. Megan may say, I I'm tired of you get out and he may just go and you know coach somewhere. The wives are always like, man, you're never around. And then, and then you get fired and you're around. They're like, Hey, let's, uh, let's find you a new coaching job. Huh? Well, you know, they're so used to living their own lives mm. that, you know, cause the coaches are never around. It's like, Man, I don't, you know, I don't like him being around in my business. I like doing my own thing. And card if you right over my shoulder. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, I like doing that. I like doing that. You know, it's, 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 yeah, it's a little different world. A lot of it. Well, Chris, uh, we appreciate you, uh, you carving out uh, so much of your time this evening uh, to hang out with us. Remind everybody uh, where they can subscribe and read uh, your great work. Appreciate it. LandryFootball.com is where you want to go. It's the hub with everything. You get uh, all the podcasts that I do. We do them live on uh, on Twitch uh, and YouTube, Facebook, all that stuff and the, the podcasts. Uh, the, the social media, I was just kidding. Uh, Silk, I, 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 do, I am familiar with Block or Mute or whatever the term is, but social media. I have social media help. Or you can find me there at LandryFootball. You can get all the detail. What we try to do is kind of take folks inside the film room. We give mm-hmm. them, uh, you know, the breakdowns of all the games, you know, college, NFL, everything from recruiting, the draft. Uh, but the the games, obviously, we're, we're down to championship game weekend. And then obviously the NFL, we got another long month left to go. Uh, but it's, you know, the coaching search stuff, uh, the news and notes every day. So, it's one-stop shopping football. It's like having your own scouting department for less than a magazine subscription. So check it out today and take advantage of the uh, the sale we got going on and try it out for a month, six months, a year, whatever, whatever is uh, you're liking. 
I love it. Well, Chris, thank you so much again for coming on and joining us this evening. I look forward to having you on. And thanks for your wonderful insight about Billy Napier and the college football landscape. Hey, thanks a bunch, guys. Take care. Hey, I appreciate Have you. Great Chris. night, Chris. Thank you. All right. Chris Landry uh, always has incredible insight. A wealth of knowledge. That's my guy, bro. Like, wealth a, of knowledge. Encyclo- encyclopedia of just football, bro. It's like five minutes into having him on. I was like, damn, he's forgotten significantly more than like I know. Or you might sure. ever know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we say that about a lot of people. Um, all right. <laughs> yes, let's... I... <laughs> Why so violent today? Unbelievable. That was a, that was a good. Unbelievable. That's that was now you. Good joke right there. Yeah. You set it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Appreciate that. That's like the uh, LeBron James Dwayne Wade photo. You know? Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, not, right. and I'm the, and did I'm you the see ball. the video of LeBron snitching on the fan this week? That I shit did, made yeah. my week. Man, that made my week. Bro, he's getting old. You can't be snitching on, on the fan. It, it was <laughs> like know, a 22-year-old girl. He should be snitching, yeah. but the way he was – because the, the fans were saying some egregious stuff, so like he should have been snitching. Yeah. But the way he looked snitching – was like Karen S. Like Karen James running over. Karen James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my guy, but he looked nuts, man. That was hilarious. That was that was hilarious. Um, all right. So, so obviously, uh, we had Ross Challenger on. Uh, we had um, Chris Landry on. So we didn't get a chance to really talk, you know, much about it. Obviously, if you listen to this podcast, that was a name that we uh, alluded to very heavily last week. Uh, but you know, Nick, give us your thoughts. Um. You know, on the on the hire as a whole. First off, while news you can't take it, you can't blink in the carousel. I said, you know, Brian Kelly looked like a twenty-one-year-old me at the bar at two a.m. Did well for myself, or uh, Scott Woodward did. Scott Woodward landing Brian Kelly, uh, reported. That's a terrible hire. I don't, Listen, I don't. bro, he's he, he's a big game hunter. We're, no, we're gonna we're gonna see it play. Culture out. fit. This is, is not a good beautiful. culture fit. No. Not a good culture. This is fit. a beautiful culture fit to watch right here. Like you, you want to see a debacle. He don't even speak Greg O. I mean, uh, Coach O. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how he's gonna operate down there, man. Like culture fit wise, I don't think he's been uh, south of the, the, the Mason Dixon. Um, that's Louisiana good, uh, Baton Rouge. That's a different the type guy of with a, a guy with a loose moral compass going to a school with a loose moral compass. Hey, you know they just happen to find each other. Perfect fit. So no, it's a different culture um, down in the bayou, man. I don't think that's gonna work out. I, I had either. a uh, I had a friend who was playing football at Notre Dame um, for Charlie Weiss. Charlie Weiss gets fired uh, going into his senior year. Brian Kelly comes up in his first meeting, introduction mm-hmm. to the team, asks everybody that wasn't a or says asks everyone that's not a freshman to stand up because he wasn't gonna put it on the freshman, and he points at them and goes. You all got the last coach fired, and I'm not going to let you do that to me. And I was like, "Nice to meet you too, coach." Night. That was his Brian introduction. Kelly did that. Brian. That was Brian Kelly's first team meeting at Notre yeah, Dame. I like this guy. Per, per, <laughs> per my buddy who was a long snapper, and I don't think he was getting any fired. Florida State, man. I like this guy. Um, <laughs> he's the guy um, for the job. It's going to be interesting. I wanted to ask Landry, but we got him out of there. I wanted to ask him, do he think Notre? Uh, I think Fickle makes a lot of sense for Notre Dame, mm-hmm. but. Uh, does does Urban Meyer old head pops back up in college football even a little bit? Urban's got to be excited about this. That's the dream job. This is right. a wild season. Yeah. This is, this is Ur- Urban's going to turn this into an extension in Jacksonville. I just know this, it. This is per silly season. <laughs> we haven't even talked about Raleigh going to USC and how that all yeah. play out. They asked him about the LSU job. He said, yeah, I'm, of course, I'm not taking the LSU job. He scoffed at it. 
Next morning, he takes the USC job. That's nuts. Dang. That's on the um, reporter. That's on the reporter. Our, our fraternity asked the wrong question. That's, that's right. A, that's true. That's true. You got to word it right. That was a slick, man. All-time great, man. When he got off the plane with his whole staff. <laughs> like, like this was this was planned out well. Um, they bought him a mansion. Well, not a mansion. $6 million crib in L.A. is probably like 1,200 square feet. Uh, <laughs> Bro. I've watched Southern Notre, Sunset. Notre Dame has a chance to make the playoff. Like, who's going to coach Notre Dame if they make it to the college you know, football playoff? You know, you know he's going uh, to get his shit Marcus Freeman is going to be their coach, I think. No, I like Marcus Freeman for us to try to go poach for, like, D.C. or something now. Like, I like Jim Knowles, but yeah. I wouldn't mind Marcus Freeman as well. Um, but mm. let's take my cousin. I like Jim it's Knowles. In- so interesting. On that coaching note, um, <laughs> Patrick Tony is, is ULL's. I think it, I'm I'm calling ULL. I remember when ULL came to Florida, their SID was like, "Hey, can you not call us Louisiana Lafayette?" Like they were doing a a like brand shift to just Louisiana. And I was yeah, like, "Yeah, that's what happened there. That's what it was. It was it was the University of Louisiana hyphen Lafayette, and they were like, let 'Let's right. not have our name be 65 characters.' I was like, this is definitely different. They did. That's a nice brand switch because I didn't catch it till you just said something, but mm-hmm. I knew there was something different there." Shots like he calling the them ULL, but they would prefer to be UL, I guess. And then the way the Raging Cajun guy spells out uh, US, uh, LSU's whole name, and it's like NMS or N, oh, N yeah. something else. It's like a little weird. It's like they got a little sassy back and forth going with uh, Louisiana colleges that I like. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Tony says DC there. Um, I think he would like to bring Tony, but not in a no, DC so. role. Um, I've been told that Tony already has an offer to be Texas Tech's DC. So mm-hmm. interesting as the coaching carousel, you know, moves he can't around. Be that bad of a DC. That's a guy you want to bring, but I don't think you would make him your DC at Florida. Would you want to go? I mean, he's only 31 years old. Would you go if you have a power five offer to to call to call it to call plays? Would you go back to being just a D line coach? I, I don't know. No, nah, you gotta take the you gotta take the uh, DC job at Texas Tech. Um, you just can't turn down a DC job. It ain't many of them. That's an elite. Yeah. Thirty one years old. Right, you gotta take it. Um, mm-hmm. Are we going staff? We talking staff wise? What do you feel about well, the hire? I, I just uh, yeah, I just I wanted to kind of get your all's thoughts. I mean, I, I like it on paper. Uh, yeah, everything about it seems to mesh. I mean, you don't know for a couple of years, but I think everything that you want out of a coach, um, you're getting, right? You got a you know, football mind, you've got a good recruiter, you've got a guy with a good pedigree, um, has risen the ranks you know relatively quickly, uh, is highly respected, you know, obviously a well-known guy, you know, in the community as well for not only his intelligence, but his you know, tenacity and his, you know, organizational skills. I mean, on paper, everything, you know, checks the, you know, everything that you're looking for. Um, You know, so, you know, what Florida wants is, you know, that tenacious, organized, you know, football mind. And I think that they got that. You know, it's not the the splashiest hire. It's not going to be your Lincoln Riley or your Brian Kelly. But I think for what Florida was wanting and needing, I think that he checks those boxes. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of all those old names. I just seen a bunch of old names. That's why I wasn't a big fan of Lane Kiffin name coming up because we we need some fresh blood. Uh, And this just feels like somebody that gets the job. Like he get, like I said, the rivalry with, with Georgia, he gets, he's an SEC guy. 
He was on that Bama staff, bro. He he, he understands what what it what it's gonna take to win the SEC championship. So I want to get like somebody young, uh, some energy, a recruiter. Like McIlwain was off the Bama staff, but he wasn't known as a recruiter. Uh, he was just off the Bama staff. This guy is known as a recruiter, uh, and, and and it's buzzing quick with him on the trail. It's not it's not uh, taking a long time to get going. I like the name that's coming up. I like Willie Corn name as an mm-hmm. OC. Um, even if Willie's not calling the plays, just some of the concepts he's doing at Coastal Carolina are pretty innovative and and fresh looking. Um, so I wouldn't mind Willie Corn as an OC, uh, just to give him some input and maybe change what he's calling. I do not like the offense he has. I'm not gonna say I don't like it. Um, I don't like it's not explosive what I'm seeing from um, ULL. Right. Um, uh, I watched the past games, watched some some previous uh, games in the season. I do like the pistol. I like his run attack. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the sets are dope, but I would like to see some some more concepts come from some other guys like Willie Corner, whoever he hires as OC. Just some input. Um, but from infrastructure wise, um, the hires that I'm hearing, the names that I'm hearing is crazy, yeah. uh, crazy impressive. Um, and, and he can recruit. And we need somebody to come in and get some guys out of the portal right now. Um, there's some rumors of him bringing a DB over with him. Yeah, uh, maybe an offensive lineman. Uh, we need guys to play right away next year because I think we got uh, we got some talent on this roster and we can go make a run. Um, I don't think it's a long flip. Gerald Mincy today hitting the portal was surprising to me. That was I wild. He, yeah, I thought he was like next man up. He's he's a guy that they've obviously didn't play a ton, um, but I thought would be a shoe in or not maybe not a shoe in, but the, probably the front runner to start at one of the tackle spots next year. So right. um, seeing that, seeing that news pop uh, was, was surprising to me. You know, it seems like you've waited next year is the opportunity and now you're just going to dip and go somewhere else. But I actually, maybe, maybe there's other reasons that, you know, behind the scenes. I, I yeah. Don't it feels like he's, he's going fresh. Like from the note that I read, I'm going to get into the, the exact, I don't have it in front of me, but it just felt like he just wanted some, maybe a fresh new environment or something. Um, yeah. And, 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 I, and it I, may not be over. Cause I think, Right. He's in the portal, so Napier has a chance to recruit him as well. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, Andy Staples had a pretty good take that just says, hey, you know, especially at Oklahoma right now, they're, you know, they've got players everywhere, you know, jumping into the portal right now. And just because they've jumped in doesn't mean that they lose any eligibility, doesn't necessarily mean that they're transferring. But, you know, it's also a, an opportunity. It's a new coach. It's, you know, it's a time to be re-recruited. It's a time to be, you know, sought after. It's a time to see, hey, maybe there's a another potential fit somewhere, right? Um, you know, not speaking Gerald Mincy's case, I'll just talk about the generic recruit uh, or, or, or transfer kid, you know, might be looking for something different, might be looking for a different experience. Uh, so you never do know. Uh, but I was very surprised to see Gerald uh, Mincy's name, you know, with that note, uh, you know, Dante Lang, Dante Zanders uh, also put his uh, name to the transfer portal today, who's a, a defensive uh, lineman, uh, came to UF as a, as a tight end. Um, but Nick, what, since we're, since we have this, you know, discussion, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the names, you know, Jim Knowles, uh, defensive coordinator uh, at Oklahoma state, a guy that's up for the Broyles award, uh, right now is a guy that's been connected that I've heard has been connected to, uh, university of Florida, uh, Doug Belk, who's the defense coordinator at the University of Houston, uh, is a name that's also connected. But I know that you're hearing some names. What, what's kind of the general thought on you know current staff that may stick around, and then you know other names that you're hearing? Hold on, I got I got to pull up my uh, I'm doing my Adam Schefter impression. I got to go into my 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 text messages. Um, so they're 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 you're going through a process where where 
you're vetting people. And that had sort of already started uh, when, when Grantham and Hevesy were let go. Um, but some names that I'm hearing, I heard Patrick Tony, but that's when we just mentioned he's a DC now hasn't offered to be a DC. I don't think the job offer at Florida would be defensive coordinator. So that's one, you know, I, I don't know. I was told today to expect Mark Hawk to come to Gainesville. I don't know what that means for Nick Savage. Um, you know, we Mark talked, Hawk talked, is their current strength, strength and conditioning coach. coach. Yes. Um, uh, I heard today that Chris Steele, Kevin Steele, excuse me. Um, I keep saying Chris Steele, USC uh, defensive back. Um, Kevin Steele is being vetted, obviously, uh, was at LSU, was at Auburn. Um, Charlie Partridge is a name that I'm hearing. Um, I think a name that I've, I, I can't stop hearing is um, Kitchens, who is the running backs coach right now with the Falcons. I um, think that would be a good hire. Um, I know people want Juwan Sider to come back. Um, I've been told Juwan Sider wants to come back. I'm sure Silk would like to hear that, or or could probably even slide in those DMs and figure that one out. Oh, no, 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 um, no, bro. That's my guy. Like me and Sider yeah. talk re- regular daggerly. Um, your, your guy wants, want, if you check my tweets, if you check my tweets, Nick, on Thanksgiving, he was frying the turkey, and I said, Hey, don't burn that house down. And he said, Nah, man, I know what I'm doing. I said, Hey, if you so happen to do so, I have a place for you in Gainesville. <laughs> You're already recruiting. Oh, for sure. You, you got to plant seeds. Bro, you're doing more recruiting than Mullen did all year. Yeah, I plant seeds, man. I, haven't, I was so sad when they took sight off the uh, off the team. Um, that just broke my heart. And it was just shout out to Greg Knox. Great win this Saturday. But <laughs> <laughs> that that was just a bad decision. Like, yeah. that was a easy layup you should have kept. Like, it just didn't make sense, man. Just didn't make sense. Um, and then the uh, line offensive line coach I keep hearing. Obviously, we talked about Phil Tratwine, um, but the line coach that I'm hearing is uh, Coach Sale, who is with the Giants right now. Hmm. Uh, you know, you've mentioned a couple names in the NFL. The NFL is what on week 11 right now, or week yep, 12? Six more weeks. Yeah, so you got six more weeks. You have a national signing day that's in three weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got another one that is in. 10 weeks, give or take after that. No, not even eight, nine weeks after that. Uh, so, you know, you, you push that out six weeks. That's a tough, uh, that could be tough. I'm not saying that you shouldn't hire the best guy for the job. And, you know, listen, you know, these classes, especially these transition classes, you know, can be tough. Often they're kind of mangled and put together. Um, they're a little unbalanced. A lot of guys end up transferring things of that nature historically. Uh, but still, um, you know, I can expect maybe one. Uh, but but a couple coaches at the NFL would be would be certainly interesting. It, um, it, that, I mean, having a 17-week season for the first time definitely complicates things, you know, in, in that timeline. How much uh, – you, you can't cut off your – cut your nose off to spite your face. If you right. think this guy is a fit, but you're going to have to wait until, you know, the second signing day, um, I think you have to wait. You know, you don't make – you're not going to hire a coach just to have somebody in place – uh, you know, for early signing day. And it'll be interesting because signing day has has the early signing day. Everyone kind of like rushed to sign early. And some of that's, you know, uh, hey, I just want to get this, this process over with. I know where I'm going. I'm tired of getting blown up by reporters and coaches and all these people. 
some of it became prestigious. I, I don't want to have to wait. I, I'm good enough. I can sign as early as possible. Um, with how much coaches are moving right mm-hmm. now, do you see some more kids wait for that second sign day to get some clarity? And you're seeing kids say, I committed to the university. I mean, Florida got a, a, a defensive line commit um, with an interim head coach. Um, yeah, yeah like somebody, saying, somebody on this podcast told you that was coming. Yeah, I should follow recruiting more. Flex on them, Dan. Um, but maybe you see kids say, "Hey, yeah, even if I'm already committed and had planned on signing with a Florida, with an LSU, with anybody, with Ohio State, uh, maybe I'll wait to see what shakes out." Because right now we're living in like end times in this coaching carousel. This thing is spinning enough to make you throw up. Um, so it'd be interesting, but I don't think you can say, well, we're not going to go and get a guy who's in the NFL because he won't be here for six weeks. No, no, I agree. No, I agree. And, and those, those two teams I mentioned in the NFL, the Giants and the Falcons, they ain't playing, uh, in, in the playoffs. So don't have to worry about them making an extended playoff run. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see what the staff and obviously, you know, you can have what 10, I think people recruit. Um, so even if Florida doesn't have fully, uh, you know, staffed position groups, they can still have a, a fully uh, filled roster uh, worth of recruiters uh, through National Signing Day, even if some some folks join in, in early to mid-January. Um, Nick, you know, I know that we've heard uh, Crime Dog potentially be a guy that, that you know, was, was being vetted out. Uh, Christian Robinson, a guy uh, potentially being vetted out. Do you anticipate any of those guys sticking around? Uh, or or job offers being extended, or do you think it's just a little too early to know? Um, I can say as of right now, you know, we're taping this eight forty seven p.m. on Monday. That um, Crime Dog has not talked to Napier. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Robinson has. I know both of them have another year on their contract. Um, I mean, listen, Crime Dog is going to land on his feet no matter where he goes. His reputation yeah. speaks for itself. I don't know that Christian will will stay or that any of the coaches will stay for a matter. Yeah. But um, there's going to be guys like. Um, I mean, like, the I staff Greg- got to talk to each other just for like um, retaining recruits and communication right. wise. Yeah, but, like, I don't think, but I don't think like um, Greg Knox is on an expiring contract. I don't expect Greg Knox to be back in Gainesville. I think Christian Robinson uh, will get an interview. Um, I don't expect Jules Montanar to be back next year. Um, hmm. You know, and it's it's ultimately going to be up to. Um, up to uh, – just blanked on the coach's name <laughs> – up to Billy Napier. Um, but for me, uh, you know, you're going to bring over some guys from your staff potentially, um, but you're going to go out and get the best guys to fill um, to fill your role. And then, and then how much do you let your defensive coordinator – you're an offensive guy. How much do you let your defensive coordinator pick his own staff once you pick mm-hmm. a defensive coordinator? Um, another name that I think – is interesting is uh cornerbacks coach rod chance from oregon okay. um he's from uh south florida st thomas alum state champion at st thomas sta pride um and, and i think he's been trying to get back he was vetted last year by florida and by mullen uh prior to uh jules montanar being being picked and they've got a good thing going in oregon maybe he doesn't want to leave um but he's a guy that, you know, if we're talking about fixing whatever the, what the biggest problem was recruiting, that's a guy that's going to go out and get you recruits. He's getting kids to leave South Florida 
to go to Oregon, uh, much easier. I mean, it's a, it's a shorter drive than it is flight, you know, shorter drive from South Florida to Gainesville than it is flight out to Eugene. Huh. Trying to think of any other names um, that might be out. And, and I'll say this. I, I think Florida is – listen, Florida had been cheap in, in the past when hiring, you know, the assistant coach budget. Um, I don't believe that they will be this time around. I think Billy's going to have uh, some money Jay's to play. Up, bro. They got to pay people. We got to compete with the, the big dogs, man. Um, I, I'm not – I'm okay with, with, with Napier getting the program established and calling plays at out the gate. Uh, eventually, the head coach, I believe, has to step away from play calling. Uh, that's just the trend of what college football is going towards, more of a CEO approach. Um, but getting getting his, his culture in, implementing his offense and calling it out the gate, I'm cool with. But eventually, I just think this is something that's going to have to happen. And I think he's uh, smart and mature enough to to not let ego get in the way. It's interesting. Um, one thing, and, and I'm not saying that this will happen. Um, like when Will Muschamp, I, I mean, Will Muschamp was the hottest. <laughs> Will Muschamp was like the hottest name. It was Mac Brown's yeah. coach in waiting. That was a home run, grand slam hire. I was not time. mad at that hire. No, nobody was. Nobody was. Everyone, Florida nailed it. You know. Um, no, no, no. A few people because they were saying we got a defensive guy, our first time, no experience. A few people mad. Now I was a message yeah. board guy back then. Uh, it was some mad people. Well, I got. I might have. But, I can't release it. I can't release it yet. But I might have a new message board for you. I was rational. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What you got going? Might, on? Might, I can't, can't, can't. Not can't release it yet. Nick, why don't you announce it on three? One, two. I cannot. Oh, okay. Ha. Um. That was slick. <laughs> Dan thinks he Dan's on one today. He might. Dan might have taken something before this. Mr. Vess. It's the vest. A sweater. It's you have to be witty vest. if you got a vest like that on. <laughs> um, so I'll say this. It, it, everything I've gotten from Napier seems like almost, I don't want to say it in a negative light, but almost like micromanaging. Like he, his hand is kind of in everything, whether it's recruiting, um, the day-to-day operations, and that can be good. Um, you're, you're stepping up big time. And, and everyone I've talked to says, hey, he's ready for this. Chris Landry just said he's ready for this. He's prepared for this. Um do you get overextended? Because, I mean, you're talking silk like, hey, I don't want you to necessarily call plays. And you're cool with it in year one. But, yo, be a CEO. This is, It's a totally different right. ball game. You've seen he Saban worked for, do it. He worked, well, he worked for the two CEOs, the guys that yeah. CEO at the best, Dabo, Nick. So that's that's what's encouraging that, yeah. that he's been around those type of guys. And he has a calm demeanor about him that don't seem that he's, like, all about ego. It's like it seems mm-hmm. like a lot of humility in his – uh demeanor yeah uh, so i'm i guess i'm just saying uh, maybe a potential pitfall is just trying to do too much and and having your hand in everything um i'm always big on hire the best person for the job hire smart people and let them do what you hire them to do yeah let them do it but watch them do it though <laughs> but peeking over that shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you, 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 you go on ahead. I'm just gonna be right behind you watching. I was just like, yeah, I hired the right person. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just go gonna pick up a few things back here. You can keep going. <laughs> I'm just gonna be behind you. And, uh, and speaking no, from I, experience, you know, I one of the things that I noticed, and and I'm not gonna pretend 
uh, like I know all of his assistant coaches, their backgrounds, their schemes, where their you know their standing is in the profession, you know. But I will say that I, I think that he's attracted uh, what seems to be a, a very competent staff for a school that. Let's let's be clear. Despite the fact that Silk was recruited by the Louisiana Lafayette or Louisiana was a very terrible football school for for basically ever. Um, and I know you know a lot of people Feels look like at, at, at no, UCS. No, no, I said despite the fact. No, I mean appreciate it, the offer. I, I don't want you to book. think that. Right. So. Um, you know, despite the fact that there's been you know some success in the group of five, you know, UCFs. Cincinnati, etc. Um, Louisiana has been a very bad school for a very, very long time. And so the fact that Billy Napier in his last, I think, 37 games is is 32 and five in the last couple of years. He's he's had two regular season losses is a very incredible turn. He is Dusty Spurrier. He is, but by far, um, bro. And, like, and I, I've and never I seen such a thing before. I think he treated the job like it, right? And you could see it in his like farewell note. You could see about the way that he talked about the school uh, was very respectful, not only of them, but about the, the opportunity that he had. Uh, and he never took it for granted. He was never just looking for that next, you know, jump, right? Um, he was right. never just looking for that next job. I think that he very much respected that school. And, you know, I think that he left them in a much better spot than they were before, which is exactly what he said he wanted to do. Um, and I think that he's going to be able to, you know, bring it all. I truly do think he's going to be successful. Is that what the uh, Cape for Nape is there for? Cape for Nape. Yeah. Silk. Is, is, is it lion season? Hey, man. I only, I only feel like I'm lying. You know, mm, like, that's, that's when real. you know the, that's when you no, know the lie deal. is good, when you believe it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No doubt. Um, <laughs> pathological liar. Um, nah, but I do, I do real, I feel real good, man. I think, um, it's a longevity play as a young guy, man. Um, the, the, the names, connections, um, the guys, um, like I think Willie Korn is a, is a, is a young superstar. Uh, I think he's going to be a really good head coach one day. So it, it just reminds me, I'm not saying it's nothing to the two, but it, it's the vibes are like urban. Them guys were young. Um, uh, mm -hmm. Dan Mullen was young. You know, uh, he was coming from Utah. It was a lot of unknowns with the spread offense working the SEC. Like people thought Florida was, was absolutely nuts. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but at that time when we hired Urban Meyer, yeah, he was the he was the hottest coach, but he wasn't the best coach. Um, we didn't go poach Notre Dame or no big program. We went and got the best hot up and coming available guy. So it just has that same feel to me. Um, and and, and like some of the names, some of the energy behind it. I just yeah. like it. And, you know, these guys have to start, you know, somewhere. Um, you're going to take your – you know, you you look back at Kirby Smart, and I can't believe – Kirby Smart, Brian, I can't believe I called him Mark Rick to, to Chris. But you look at Kirby Smart, you know, perennial, you know, coordinator waiting for that that right opportunity, a lot of question marks. And, you know, for Georgia, that was the, the right move. You know, you you look at, you know, folks that have rised in the ranks. You know, you look at Urban Meyer, where did they get started? You look at Nick Saban, where did they get started, right? So there's, there's always going to be that next jump and that next opportunity where somebody's got to see it um you don't start out as a ga at the university of florida and then immediately get that head coaching job right you have to you have to, to rise the ranks and you know i think that billy's you know pedigrees is as good as you want out of a coach i think his tenacity i think his organization are all things that you look for so um you know now it's a matter of building out this staff building out you know the support you know group and and see who you know those next folks are 
Um, we got new bells. We got new whistles. We got a new coach. We just beat sorry ass team in the panhandle with an interim. Hey man, life could be worse. You could be not going to a bowl three years in a row. You know what I'm saying? Like you could be you, you could be riding renegade. It could be worse. Yeah, you could be on that dead horse getting beat. <laughs> man, it, uh, speaking damn, speaking of two hour podcast, huh? Yeah. Well, Silk, why don't you give us a Manscaped ad read um, before we head out of here? It's holiday season, man. Black Friday just passed. Uh, visit manscaped.com for all your man grooming needs. Use coupon code SG at checkout for 20% off. It's 25% off right now in holiday season. Uh, I think we're I think we're done as of today. So if you're watching mm-hmm. on YouTube, you've got however long until midnight. That's oh, all right. You still get back, 20% back, off. 20% off. Back to the 20. A dub. Can't, can't beat that with a bat. Uh, cheaper than going to Target. Uh, coupon code SG, get that lawnmower 4.0. Uh, you can use that thing in the shower. You would not get electrocuted or shocked. Um, has a light, so you can have the lights off. You can set a, you can set a vibe while you shave your balls. Um, you cannot beat that. Mm. Free shipping, 20% off. Manscaped.com. Very good. Um, right now, bowl projections. Uh, Nick, have you either in St. Petersburg, Florida at the Gasparilla Bowl? Um, I've seen Miami. I've seen UCF. I've seen uh, as potential um, targets uh, in that game. Or uh, the Cure Bowl, um, which uh, I'm trying to figure out right now uh, where that is. What's the name of that bowl? Curable. Oh, that's the one in Orlando. Sorry, I didn't know they changed the name of their stadium. So that one's in Orlando. Oh, yeah, we need that one. <laughs> this Kushaw's <laughs> tailgate. Oh, God, let me pray for that one. So either Tampa or, or the Tampa Bay area or no, Orlando. No, 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 no. Everybody need to come to Orlando. Speak that into existence. We need a Kushaw's right, well, shindig. What's let up? Let me uh, peel back the curtain a little bit here. So the oh, gas yeah, peel back. ESPN has a company. ESPN owns like eight, more than 85, 90% of the Bulls um, and puts sense. them all on. Yeah, the ESPN events has the armed, fo- armed forces, Bahamas, Birmingham, Boca, gigantic list of Bulls. Um, right, right. I thought you were going to go through the whole list. No, no, no too many. <laughs> too many. Too many. <laughs> no, I, I would have um, definitely stopped them. <laughs> so once so once you get <laughs> we're over 2 hours. <laughs> <laughs> once you get once you get to um once you get after the um college football playoff, everything else is just picking matchups. And there's some right. bowl tie-ins like the Sugar Bowl, the Rose Bowl, there's some bowl tie-ins. But once you get down to these bowl games, ESPN's trying to get ratings. This game is on December 23rd, which I think is a Monday. That could mm-hmm. be wrong. Well, December 23rd. To Atlanta that day. 7 p.m. Um, the 23rd is a Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, 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 Thursday yeah. night. Thursday night, 7 p.m. ESPN. What makes sense? Does Florida UCF make sense? Or do you want to put, you know, uh, you know, uh, Miami versus like Georgia Tech or Miami versus, you know, uh, a six-win team from the Big Ten. I think when it comes down to it, dollars make games in Miami, Florida, Gasparilla Bowl. Makes, I don't want to play. I don't want to play just for the sake of like the, the bowl games not meaning anything anymore. I don't want to mm-hmm. play 
uh, UCF, Miami, and like that in-state rivalry type. Because I think we may not have our whole defense show up. Like our front four uh, may not show up. You know, like you have no idea. Uh, Elam likely won't show up. <laughs> uh, Dean probably won't show up. Uh, you just don't know what you're about to throw out there for like an in-state rivalry at a random bowl game uh, with interim head coach. Yeah. Now, don't give me none of that. Give me some random team. I'll take Southeastern Missouri or something. <laughs> Southeastern Missouri State. Yeah, 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 yeah. CMO. Formidable opponent. Easy yeah. vibes. That's in Southeastern uh, Missouri State yeah. Technical Institute. Yeah, Southeast yeah. Missouri State is in Cape Girardeau. Cape Girard. No, Cape Girardeau. Of, Girardo, course, of course, Dan's Dan's got all kinds of dandy facts about flyover yeah. states. Yeah, yeah. Semo. Anyway, so I think Gasper Bowl makes sense. It, it hurts my heart that I've, I think I need to give up on Orlando, uh, bro. I think I need to give up on my aspirations of uh, going to Nashville. Yeah, I don't think the uh, the Music City Bowl is happening this year, Nick. It's unfortunate. I mean, it's just you, you hate to, things. Dan wasn't tanking. We could have easily made the like the Mayo Bowl at least. Yeah, at you least need like you need like seven wins. I think for that you need Dan a seven. Was tanking. He sure was. Um, hey Nick, before we close out, and I think I've got the song of the week, and it's a perfect day because boy, oh boy, do I have some news to share with you guys. Uh, why don't you run <laughs> through a little bit uh, of the timeline uh, there? I know we've, we've talked about it, but you know we we had uh, we had Ross come on before we could dive mm-hmm. into this. Tell us boy, a little bit boy. about this search. Yeah, um, did a deep dive uh, over on Rivals. Um, Florida, I, I think Scott Strickland, and I believe it as well, that Dan Mullen needed to make some changes around him, make some philosophical changes, look inside, but thought that Dan Mullen could win championships at Florida. And I think Dan Mullen can, if he makes those changes, will have success somewhere else. Um, and, and I think that was Scott Strickland's thought until the South Carolina game. Um, the way that that played out, Changed the thinking. And Dan thought, knew he was going to fire his buddies, Todd and, and, and Hevesy. Um, and that decision was made for him or the timing of that decision. Hey, you're not waiting until after FSU is happening now. Um, and, and that was like, like Andy Staples said, you know, throwing two guys into the volcano and praying for rain. Um, Florida reached out to Billy Napier that Sunday to gauge interest, not to Billy, but Billy's people. You reach out to Jimmy Sexton, the to CAA, start talking to the agency mm-hmm. to gauge interest. So we say this move quick. We say this was a week, but I mean, that was a month ago now, three weeks ago. It feels like 12 yeah. years, uh, the way the season has ended, but uh, it was a long time ago. Scott reached out, gauged interest. The first half of the Sanford game happens. And, and I think in my mind, I still thought if he wins out, he'd be back. And, and some people at UF told me, didn't matter. It was already done at that point um, in Scott Strickland's mind. Like, Hey, the, it wasn't all about wins and losses. There was accountability and discipline slipping in the locker room uh, and in the program. Um, so that's when the second time you reach out and then Florida continually reaching out to Napier, there were other guys. Nick, Billy Napier is the only person Florida interviewed for this job. Um, so a couple of people at Florida told me it didn't matter if he won Missouri and Florida state that he was going to be gone either way. So um, there was a sense of urgency with Strickland because 
Billy Napier's first choice was LSU. And it makes sense. And I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to rub it or make Florida fans feel bad. He's been in Louisiana for four years. He was at Alabama for six years before that. He's in that footprint right there. He's got his whole recruiting system set up. Everything's good there. He spent so much time in that area developing relationships with coaches. Um, and, and you're going to be able to completely lock down that state if you put on purple and gold and you're Billy Napier. Um, what is your big – like, real quick. Oh, my bad. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. That, that, I'm just saying that's why Florida moved as quickly as they did because right. – um, and I had I had a couple people tell me Florida had – Billy Napier had an offer from Florida last week, the Monday before FSU, had an offer. And he basically told LSU, hey, it's now or never. Uh, and mm-hmm. they canceled a meeting with him on that Monday. Um, and I, I wonder – because then people are asking, well, what about when Manny? Manny got the job at Temple uh, from Mississippi State, got the head coaching job at Temple. Miami came around. And a week later, you know, a month later, he was gone. Um, I was told Billy Napier is the kind of guy that will take that slight from LSU um, and hold a grudge. Like, yo, I'll see you uh, November 15th in the swamp. You I know, need like, that you're energy. Gonna have, you're like, going to have to come play me. Um, because so was, saying, that, we got a guy that understands all of that. Like, he, that got, a, he got a beef with LSU. He's not going to be mm-hmm. cool with you throwing a shoe in the fog. Yeah. That was a valid question that I had to ask somebody. Like, well, <laughs> you feel me, Dan? Did, did, did they sign it or do they have like a, a gentleman's agreement? Because a gentleman's agreement doesn't mean shit if, if you know, LSU comes calling with $12.5 million. Hey, cool. I know we shook hands, but right. uh, I'm out. Um, so I think he'll come in with a grudge. And, and that's why Scott Strickland moved. This was his number one guy. Not uh, Florida wasn't necessarily Billy's number one job. So he moved quickly before that other school. You know, fell you know fell back essentially to calling him, and Ross explained uh, better than I can. You know right, the right, politics right. in Louisiana. I gotta ask. Uh, I gotta ask a question. The streets want to know. So, um, what happened on Thanksgiving? What got everything so weird? Like, like we lost Billy for a day. What do you mean we lost him? No, that's what we the internet him. was saying. Bro, <laughs> uh, Jason on. Higdon posted Bro. something. <laughs> and, uh, the internet, world. bro. What, like, Dan, Dan don't have no like wherewithal to like do subliminal shit. He just just came, no. yeah, Higdon. bro. You should, you should have seen Dan on our message the same thing on the timeline. Yeah, yeah, he snapped. They it. announced Jason Higdon was taking over, and Dan went scorched earth, <laughs> scorched earth on our message board. I was like, okay, yeah. I, I don't oh, think yeah. Dan will be allowed back on the rivals message board. Not that he wants to cancel my cancel my membership. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wild boy. So, um, so what happened on Thursday so that everybody can talk to us about how great Jason Higdon is? Bro, uh, what who's going to Virginia Tech over over Florida? Like, what are you talking oh, okay. about? It's ridiculous. Oh, that sure. that's what the smoke was? Just ridiculous. I don't know what I don't know what Higdon posted. I've never talked to him. Um I'm blocked you know on Twitter. Posted. I'm blocked on Twitter. Uh Billy Napier. I'm blocked. I don't, I don't know. I've been blocked Same. for years. Yeah. Um, but I'll I swap I, blocks with you if you want. Billy Napier was never going to Virginia Tech. Maybe that was like Jimmy Sexton trying to like squeeze out a couple Jimmy hundred Sexton thousand dollars more. That type of cocaine. There's no way Jimmy Sexton <laughs> thought he could use Virginia Tech against Florida for some type yeah. of leverage. People, like, yeah. So I'm thinking, <laughs> that's, listen, man. That's I'm trying wow. to. Wow. I'm, I'm trying to ignore the stuffing on the table. I'm trying to enjoy some football. <laughs> Enjoy some ham, some turkey, some gravy, and then and then our message board's blowing up. Twitter people right. are asking me, 
hey, is he going? He's going to Virginia Tech. We're going to miss out on him. I'm like, bro, oh, no one's going DMs to Blacksburg over Gainesville. Were you crazy? You don't think that Billy Napier was sitting around on Thanksgiving weighing Blacksburg, Virginia, and Gainesville, no. Florida, and then leaked the no. news to Jason Higdon at the same time? The moment if you if you Scott Strickland, the moment you get a call about like, hey, listen, um, I know, like, I want to, I got this offer over here, Virginia Tech, though. You just gotta just get him off the phone, right? All right, yeah, you're not the guy. Yeah. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, I'll call if you I'm, back, if I'm, if I'm Hold Scott on, I got a call coming out. I'll call you back. <laughs> if, if I'm Scott Strickland and, and Billy Napier, after we already like talked about our, our future <laughs> together, baby, I put a ring on it. We put a we put a down payment on a house, yeah. and oh you God. come calling me, being like, "Well, what if we take an RV?" To Blacksburg, I'm like, you know what? Let's. This is. You can keep the ring. <laughs> yeah. You can keep the ring. We're it's fine. Not, We're not walking down the now. aisle together. Yeah. Blacksburg. Yeah, 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 yeah. Blacksburg. Yeah. Get out of here. Let's act like, 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 like this never happened. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> we wish you the wild. best of luck. So right, man, y'all go eat some dessert. Uh, My DMs was going crazy. Go eat some dessert, man. Nobody's making. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I tweeted. I was like, yo, calm down. It's Thanksgiving. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends where there's some football games on. Don't worry about a coach that it's always been. I'm, happy. I'm starting the hashtag. It was always been. I am not. A, I got to take days off, man. So I am not a source. Don't hit me up. Ask me about any information. Uh, I'm not at Walmart <laughs> on holidays. I'm eating dessert, man. <laughs> you know, I don't know what's on message boards. No, wild. It's nuts. It's nuts. Uh, Shot to Dan. Dan nipped it in the butt. That's my guy. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. So um, I got the song of the week, and, and today I've been trying to to withhold my my excitement. Uh, one of the country music bands of all time, Turnpike Troubadour, uh, they're back. They announced that they are back. They, uh, they took a couple-year hiatus. Silk, so you'll, you'll recognize the Turnpike Troubadour. So the third episode ever of Stadium and Gale, we had a country music song on that everybody was like, don't ever – let Dan pick the music again because <laughs> it was super twangy. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, the Turnpike yeah. Troubadours. Okay, um, okay, okay, so they okay. were on a couple years, a so three-year hiatus. The, the the lead singer guy <laughs> got involved in you know some prepare some, your some ears. drinking and went to rehab, went through a separation, dated Miranda Lambert. She dumped him. I just a whole slew of things happened. But boys, country music sounds just like got a country life, bro. Like shot my dog music, man. Turnpike Troubadours. So dog hailing from the great state old of Oklahoma, probably the only thing that Oklahoma has going for now that Lincoln Riley's gone. Uh, uh, long time take us out. Uh, one of the best country music bands of all time, Turnpike Troubadours. Uh, same corner, same time. Same corner, same time. Yeah. 